Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Paying closer attention. It's the thing that people care about. 55KRZ, the talk station. Five oh five. The fifty five KRC, the talk station. It's Wednesday. Listener lunch Wednesday. Yesterday, December seventh, nineteen forty one. A date which will live in infamy. Yes, that is today. How about that? December 7, 1941. President Roosevelt there, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, announcing the, uh, well, determined indignation following uh, the attack by uh, the Japanese. Cowardly attack? Many admit that. There's nothing much you can say about that, but certainly uh, it set the stage for a long, drawn-out conflict. Hundreds of thousands of people dead. Uh, and, of course, uh, we came out on top. The good guys won that one. At least uh, that's the way. The good guys write the history. But I think in that particular case, there's no argument. And, and, uh, oddly enough, uh, so con- considering that the, uh, the, the, the World War II involved the Nazis and Nazi Germany, it's rather interesting we're going to be talking about uh, hate speech. Protecting the speech we hate. Judge Ed Napolitano at 8.30 on that. He mentions this whole Kanye West nonsensical crap. Anyway, I, I have intentionally just ignored all of that. You've noticed I really haven't brought up Donald Trump much since the uh, uh, the election either. Uh, it just There's so much distraction and crap out there related to it. It's just like, you know what? Mm, I'm not even going to bother with it for the time being. Anyway, got in a bunch of trouble, I guess, for uh, a sitting down and having dinner with uh, Kanye West, who apparently comes across as a bit of a Nazi or uh, at least a, um, a detester of the Jewish population. Don't understand it, but then again, you know what? I don't know anything about what Kanye West says. Why? Because I don't care. Joe, do you care what Kanye West says? That's <laughs> I just kind of was a rhetorical question. I didn't expect you to say anything but zero. It, it, you know, it, it, if, interestingly enough, you know, I, I love Joe. He, he and I get along really well. <laughs> if he started. Going around all day talking about Kanye West and what Kanye did and what what is it is it ye or is it yay? I know you don't care, but do you know the answer to that question? Because somebody tried to correct me that I called him ye because that's what it's y e. It's written in a newspaper article, and I just mentioned it in passing reference because of this ongoing controversy. And I Eric or somebody sent me a Facebook message, and he had quote they ye meaning I guess that the proper pronunciation is yay. I don't care. Nobody cares. Exactly. Anyway, you draw your own conclusions on uh, whether it's good or bad that uh, Donald Trump's hanging out with him. I don't care. 
513-749-5500-800-823 talk pound 550 on AT&T phones maybe you care you can explain to me why it's important or not I don't care uh, Donovan Neal 730 Donovan Neal Americans for Prosperity Ohio State Director uh, on the need to defeat HB 235 which one's that Find out together. I looked at it already. Other lame duck bills uh, hanging out in the uh, state of Ohio to kind of go through and uh, see what Americans for Prosperity has to say about those. Christy Ertle at 805, a concerned parent, Lakota School District. She is with an organization called ProtectLakotaKids.com. Apparently a bit of an issue with the Lakota School Board and Superintendent. Christy's going to give us the details on that if you're a Lakota school parent or just a parent concerned about the situation or the status in education. Uh, you should tune in at 8.05 for that one. Of course, I mentioned Judge Andrew Napolitano and his column, which comes out tonight, protecting the speech we hate. Anyhow, uh, let's see here. Well, Raphael Warnock won. I know that you were sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for that one. This one didn't shock me too much. Uh, considering the problems Herschel Walker was having with the campaign. Anyway, incumbent Raphael Warnock won re-election in Georgia runoff yesterday, defeating his challenger, Herschel Walker, a person backed by, oh, look, former President Donald Trump. Associated Press calling the race for Warnock last night, and uh, don't say, well, it isn't over till it's over, because Warnock has already conceded the race. Uh, the race. He has had some brief remarks to supporters, urging people to continue to vote for in elections and support elected officials. He did not mention... <laughs> Raphael Warnock by name in his concession speech to Raphael Warnock. So the fat lady has sung a final tally, at least according to the Associated Press, with 96% of the vote counted. Warnock 50.8% to Walker's 49.2. Squeaker it was. Squeaker. Uh, Warnock said, there are no excuses in life, and I'm not going to make any now because we put on one heck of a fight. Lots of money went into this one. It was insane. Now, Democrats control the Senate. As a consequence of this victory, 51 to 49, so we don't have Kamala Harris uh, you know, breaking any ties, but it also gives the Democrats more power in the Senate, and this is why the race was so important. Democrats get control of the Senate committees outright and no longer have to uh, deal with uh, GOP and the power-sharing agreement that they're currently under. So uh, you got uh, Fetterman's victory over Oz in Pennsylvania. That flipped the GOP seat and made it a 50-50 split. Of course, you had Kamala Harris, as I mentioned, dividing that up. But Warnock now gives the Democrat leadership a little more breathing room, as they're calling it, more power as well. Under the current power-sharing agreement right now, Democrats have been prevented from issuing subpoenas without GOP support. Ah, and now... After January, committee chairman will be able to issue subpoenas and provide what they're calling a counterbalance to a GOP-led House. That means uh, aggressive investigations of President Biden, family, and his administration on the House side, and no such cooperation on the Senate side. Currently, Senate committees are split between evenly. That slows down moving Biden's nominees out of committee and onto the chamber floor. Now, with Warnock's victory, it gives Democrats that narrow majority on each panel, which they will, of course, use to their advantage and advance these things a lot more quickly. Apparently, it gives them a little more flexibility on passing legislation as well. Last couple of years, um, well, lawmakers, a journal reporting on this one, maneuvering partisan bills throughout an evenly divided Senate, but passing legislation required all Democrats to agree 
That is, if the Republicans were unified in their opposition. You can see the split there. Everybody's got to take their side. Everybody's got to, you know, solidarity, brother. We've been dealing with this for a while. But that division allowed individuals like Joe Manchin and, uh, to a lesser extent, I believe, Christine Sinema, to force the Democrats to make some concessions. Those concessions came into play yesterday in dealing with the defense bill. Uh, Joe Manchin's pipeline, the, the, the pipeline deal that he got in return for allowing that stupid Inflation Reduction Act, that green energy thing to go through. Remember, they promised him, listen, Joe Manchin, just just, just vote with us on this uh, Inflation Reduction Act and we'll give you what you want in terms of reducing regulations on pipelines. Uh, well, that piece of legislation, that pipeline deal was endeavored, they endeavored to throw that into the National Defense Authorization Act. And a bunch of leftist Democrats said, hell no, we're not going to allow any more easy drilling. We're not going to reduce the environmental regulations that exist that stand in the way of the drilling happening. And then on the Senate side of the equation, uh, the Republicans said no. Well, we here in the Senate are never going to vote for that Joe Manchin because why would we reward you for doing something that totally screwed us, i.e. the defense or rather the Inflation Reduction Act? Don't look at me, Manchin. You're the one that did this to us. So... That little component is not in the National Defense Authorization Act. Whether it rears its head again, whether they will be have any more uh, uh, legislation related to getting rid of the environmental hurdles that stand in the way of our drilling, that remains to be seen. I would imagine if it happens, it's going to originate in the House after January. And now we'll see what the Senate would do with it. Do you think? <laughs> Maybe this is another rhetorical question. Let's say the House reduces regulations on drilling companies. Let's say the House wants to open up more drilling or whatever, reduce environmental rules. Whatever is standing in the way of us having energy independence and paying $90 jillion at the pump, that's what Republicans want to do. They package it up in a piece of legislation, standalone or otherwise. What happens when it goes over to the 5149 Senate? Right, it doesn't go anywhere. So what I anticipate now... And I don't think I'm really some miraculous tea leader, tea leaf reader, and coming to this conclusion. It's going to be a lot like it was after the shellacking that Obama took. You have to remember that election. Overwhelming shift to the Republican side of the ledger. Republicans passed all kinds of legislation. <laughs> I remember people talking about, what about Obamacare? Are we going to rebuild Obamacare? How about Obamacare? And every time. Uh, 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 Steve Shabbat came in the program. It was like, well, we just passed this bill that you know we just got we we passed this and well, what happened to it? Well, it went over to the Senate where it died, right? Uh, so, you know what what you can expect, I believe, out of the new Congress is at least on the House side investigations into the literally gazillions of different topics that they can investigate. Talked about this yesterday with the Breitbart News uh, uh, person. But there's the opportunity there for, for the American people to get completely overwhelmed. There are so many avenues down which the Republicans go in terms of investigations. I mean, I, the Hunter Biden laptop story and how deeply involved Joe Biden is in his son's affairs and how much it might have influenced, uh, well, domestic security, for example. When you're playing nice with the Chicoms for your own personal benefit, you might undermine the interest of the American people. Worth looking into? Absolutely. Potential constitutional violation, a violation of an oath of office? Absolutely. Potential criminal issues involved in that? Yes, absolutely. 
So that's that's on you know top one, two, three for my hit parade. But we could go on and on and on. The question is, what will Republicans do? Are they going to do it, you know, like a a blunderbuss type fire everything at once? Nine gajillion committees and subcommittees all investigating different things and pr- creating this perpetual media circus where nothing gets reported on and everyone's eyes gloss over. Or will they be laser focused on something really, really, truly important and something that they appear to have all the evidence in the world, Hunter Biden's laptop, for example, and just focus on that in a narrower set of agenda items? That would be my wish. You can always get to the next agenda item after you're done with the first one, but we know how slow the process is in Congress in terms of investigating things. We know what the federal government does when you ask them for information. They basically say, uh, no. As I say that, I think of Congressman Brad Wenstrup still waiting for the records, going all the way back to 2017 in the shooting on the uh, on, on the on the baseball field, the 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 attempted murder of multiple Republican representatives, which would have flipped the balance of the power in the House, an actual, real, true endeavor to overthrow the government, not January 6th, mind you. Bunch of fraternity brothers running around, appearingly drunk in the hallways of Congress. What? How much impact could they have? Zero. Killing a whole bunch of elected officials and not having anybody sitting in their seat the next day, that impacts the balance of power in, 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 in reality. Um, but the federal officials, after investigating, said this was murder by cop or suicide by cop. Wenstrup's <laughs> like, are you kidding me? This guy didn't even know there were any police around at the time. It was fortuitous. Then on top of that, the guy had a hit list of all these Republican members of Congress he wanted to kill. It was a planned murder. Planned. Not some willy-nilly, you know, oh, my God, the front doors of the Capitol are open. Let's walk on in kind of moment in time. I know they're trying to prove this collusion and everything was all coordinated ahead of time, but I'm waiting to see the evidence on that. We have real evidence of what Congressman Wenstrup went through. Uh, And he asked directly of the officials that investigated this and determined that that guy was a suicide by cop guy, never has gotten a response yet. What happened that allowed you to determine that, given all the facts and evidence that we know? The guy had no police there. The fact that he had a hit list, that he had planned this, that he brought multiple weapons and, um, and all kinds of uh, you know, magazines. Nothing. Months it's been. Years, in fact. Nothing. So backing up to the whole idea of Republicans engaging in these investigations, same roadblocks are going to be thrown down. The foot dragging, the heel dragging, the sending over of redacted documents to be met with uh, the, the, oh, my God, they're all redacted. You want to give us the real information and then the inevitable court fights. So picking your battles is important given how long these processes can take, even for the most egregious of illustrations of corruption within the government. 513-749-5500, 800-823-TALK, pound 550 on AT&T phones. Get in touch with Foreign Exchange. Save yourself right now. Goodbye, Paris City Talk Station. All right, Joe, what's the difference between lots of clouds and considerable cloudiness? Words. <laughs> okay. Just read them. Hey, an illustration of what I was just talking about, all these different investigations you can go into, and I wasn't even thinking of this one. I was thinking of like six other ones. You know, for me, number one would be uh, going after Joe Biden and his uh, working with uh, foreign enemies to the benefit of himself and his son. But 
Afghanistan is a subject matter of one of the other investigations. House Republicans are planning on investigating the Biden administration's withdrawal from Afghanistan. This one, uh, remember, summer 2021 when, uh, yeah, we left a whole bunch of people there. We had made promises to. A lot of people died. Uh, errant cruise missiles were sent, destroying families. The debacle that it was. Anyway, uh, Representative James Comer out of Kentucky, ranking member of the House Oversight Committee, has already requested documentation and declassification materials from several agencies that were involved in that withdrawal. Requested documentation and declassification. Now, isn't it interesting that he's in a position of oversight? Uh, He's in a position of uh, someone who is voting like with his power of the purse as a member of the House of Representatives. Uh, These are the people who are supposed to be watching Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The groups that are funded by the American tax dollar, uh, they, they need declassification and requests for documentation. And, of course, those that are requested uh, to produce the stuff mm, generally drag their feet. Comer circulated an internal memo accusing the Biden administration of illegal obstruction after receiving new material from the official watchdog looking over the reconstruction of Afghanistan. Special Inspector General of, or for rather, Afghanistan Reconstruction, SIGAR. Add that to your uh, list of lexicons. Anyway, seeking the information from them. Pentagon or from the Pentagon, Republicans also looking for information about troop withdrawal and why air support had been removed before all the U.S. citizens were evacuated. Legitimate question, worthy of inquiry. Republicans also requesting information, Department of Homeland Security about Operation Allies Welcome and the vetting and relocation process for the refugees. Also, documents from USAID. GOP officials are looking into that program closure and any USAID programs operating in the country. So multiple layers of information, money flowing in, and documents requested related to that one withdrawal, that one single couple of day uh, debacle that it was. One more worthy inquiry, whether you put that one relative to all the other inquiries that are going to be launched remains to be seen. But prepare yourself for the media outrage. Ah, this is just Republicans tit for tat. This is just revenge for us looking into Donald Trump's collusion with the Russians. Yeah, but there wasn't any collusion with Russia. Shut up. We looked into it. We were doing the American public uh, 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 service. But you lied, and you used fake information. Shut up. Let's not review old news. Those are old facts. We don't need to focus on things that happened before. We need to start moving on. The Republicans need to join with the Democrats and start to work for the American people and stop these lousy oversight uh, committee meetings and hearings. 531 on a Wednesday. Listener Lunch Wednesday. Price Hill Chili's in place uh, about 1130 give or take. 
And uh, Secret Santa is going to be there. Bob Wetterer, Mr. Humanitarian himself, man responsible for the wish tree. There is a wish tree at Price Hill Chili. If you show up there, grab an ornament off the tree, buy the gift that's on the ornament. And you can either bring it back to Price Hill Chili for the big pickup, or alternatively, you can drop it off at the charity that's listed on the ornament. It's a great opportunity to help out those in need this time of year. And thanks to Bob Wetter for doing that. He will be in full Santa mode today, so don't dare call him Bob. Today, he's Santa. And let's get to the local stories, but after I take a phone call. Tom's on the line. Tom, welcome back, man. Hope you're feeling well today. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Just one of them days. You just no way. If I can't give the boss at least 72%, I'm not coming in. And yesterday <laughs> would have been well below the, the 50% mark. So. 72%. Okay. Well, you know. I'm not, you know, I know. You what, just... what, what, what's the old thing? Most statistics, uh, although 68.9% of statistics are made up on the spot, something like that. 40% you know, of the time, it works 100% of the time. Right. <laughs> And I don't know, I, I did, did, did you happen to mention uh, the new new listener, Tim, yesterday? Uh, you are you are picking up listeners on a daily basis, oh. at least in the little world that I live in, in construction and stuff. So, Tom, uh, if I ever, it'll never, what? It'll I never happen. Sorry, I I hit the off button on my mic. I, it, it, it'll never happen, but ever run for political office, I'm going to have you be my campaign manager. <laughs> well. Yeah, I mean the, the 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 don't vote Democrat movement is definitely growing in, in the uh, in the local construction world, and and of course because we're having this conversation, the, the popularity of this show is going along with it. So, I love it. Of course, vice versa. I don't know. So, uh, but it, yeah, it's it's good it's good to be able to have conversations with people at work and and find some like minded people that that know that how you know unlike unlike apparently about a hundred thousand or so different people in Georgia who just can't get their head out of their sphincter and and realize that that it's just dumb to continue to vote for Democrats. I don't know what the hell happened down there, but uh, but anyway, um, the main thing I wanted to talk about this morning, real quick, was the whole uh, diversity, equity, inclusion thing. It's one of those it's one of those things that the left has shoved in there, and they, they, it's a hot button point for them, and they keep pushing it, and and uh, it, and really, it's just a distraction from more important things. Uh, but it's garbage that they're shoving down our throat. And, it, and it's a very small percentage of people uh, who, are, who are not really being uh, mistreated. They're not really being abused or anything like that. They're, they're just being used as, as uh, alleged victims. And they're not victims. Yeah, they, everybody has a right to jobs and they have equal opportunities. But you got a bunch of knuckleheads out there screaming that, oh, no, they don't have enough equal opportunity. Yeah, they do, actually. So we got we to gotta push back and go, no, you're wrong. That's not happening. They're not being mistreated. And, and oh, by the way, because you're going to be so stupid and push this, we're not voting for you. So don't vote Democrat. Have a great day, Frank. Thank you, Tom. And thank you for spreading the word about the uh, 55 KRC Morning Show. I truly appreciate it. I really do. 513-749-5500, 800-823-TALK, pound 550 on AT&T phones. Here's a weird one. Probably do this local story. I think I can get it in. Controversial provision requiring internal and external exams to verify a student's sex before they play K-12 through sports in Ohio. That was chucked out yesterday afternoon. Senate Republicans replaced that part of House Bill 151 with a requirement that athletes whose sex is disputed, quote, present a copy of the participant's original birth certificate, close quote, according to the amendment. Now, that's fine. I... Apparently, this came as no surprise to the LGBTQ groups who've been expecting the amendment 
given the near universal pushback since the bill was introduced. Ohio's chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics warned that pelvic exams are not commonplace for children and doing uh, get, providing one could be psychologically harmful or traumatic. Add that to the list of psychologically harmful and traumatic things to children, many of which and much of which was shoved down them by left-wingers in government. Anyway, I don't have any objection to this thing being pulled out of House Bill 151. Ohio Senate President Matt Huffman, uh, the Center for Christian Virtue President Aaron Baer, both called the examination provision unnecessary and unhelpful to the goal of preventing transgender women from playing in women's sports. According to Bob Cup. In fact, that was an error when it was in the amendments in the House. So there is no objection. In fact, our members would encourage it to come out. Balance it remains. Blanket ban on transgender girls playing a female sports teams in the middle and high school, but not in college. Earlier version of the bill included public and private universities, but that language is also stripped from the legislation yesterday. Republican women who introduced these bills say transgender girls have certain biological advantages that make them faster, stronger, and more likely to beat their cisgender peers. Of course they do. Bone development, testosterone, all those things. And um, also, it's just downright weird. I don't know. That's how I come away with it and walk away with it. 536, 55 KCD talk station, stack of stupid. Coming up next, first words for Landing Events Center. Having their uh, holiday 155 Care CD talk station. Happy Wednesday. And listener lunch Wednesday. Price so chili. Hope to see you there. 513-749-5500. Otherwise, stack is stupid. Oh, remember always uh, when you can't listen live, head on to 55carec.com. Heard from New Life Furniture Bank yesterday. They can sure use any gently used furniture you've got. They'll pick it up too, which I love about that. What they're doing is helping um, homeless folks uh, when they come out of the other side of homelessness. Like, for example, we hear about women all the time break up in an abusive relationship. They got to get out of Dodge, grab the kids and a ba- you know a jam bag and run out of the house. End up at halfway shelter. After the halfway shelter, they get a place to live and no furniture. That's where New Life Furniture Bank comes in. So if you tell them, you call them up, reach out to them. Link is right there on my blog page. They will come over to your place as long as the stuff is not inside your home. You can put it in the garage. You can leave it on the driveway. They'll take it up and put it in and make sure that uh, families in need will get it. And, oh, my God, didn't I learn a lot. Boy, they have helped so many families. It's amazing how many families need that kind of help on an annualized basis. 55KRC.com. Florida man, we go to the stack of stupid. This is so disgusting. Florida man arrested after he had sex with a dog in front of. You heard me right, Joe. In front of families, also wrecked a nativity scene at a nearby church, and then attempted to steal a vehicle. Hmm. That's a summary. 36-year-old Chad Mason arrested on Sunday several charges, including sexual activity with a with an animal, exposing sexual organs and criminal mischief at a place of worship. He knew the owner of the Golden Doodle Dog and was taking it out for a walk in an apartment complex um, about 4.30 in the afternoon on Sunday in Clearwater, Florida. Clearwater Police City then began having sex with a dog in front of multiple adults and a child who was under the age of 16. One of the adults' witnesses witnesses confronted Mason, who then fled the scene to Northwood Presbyterian Church, where he entered and proceeded to knock over a nativity display, break several potted plants, and throw children's toys from the playground area. His actions... The aristocrat. <laughs> well placed, Joseph. Accidents resulted in an estimated $400 in damage to the church. He then left the church, went to an adjacent neighborhood where he destroyed a mailbox and attempted to steal a car. Officers took him into custody, booked him into the Pinellas County Jail. He has since been released on bond. 
Thank you. The biggest douche of the universe in all the galaxies. There's no bigger douche than you. Okay. You know what bothers me about that one, Joe? PETA did not issue a statement of condemnation. Overland Park, Kansas, Johnson County restaurant restaurant manager sent a harsh message to employees about taking time off was subsequently fired. Olive Garden Media uh, Relations representative confirmed local news there that a manager in the restaurant sent this message to staffers. Our call-offs, I guess that's taking a day off. Our call-offs are occurring at a staggering rate from now on. If you call off, you might as well go out and look for another job. We're no longer tolerating any excuse for calling off. If you're sick, you need to come prove it to us. If your dog died, you need to bring him in and prove it to us. Ooh, add this guy to the douchebag, Joe. If it's a family emergency and you can't say uh, you you can't say too bad, go work somewhere else. If you only want morning shifts, too bad. Go to work at a bank. If anyone from here on out calls in more than once in the next 30 days, you will not have a job. Do you know in my 11 and a half years at Darden how many days I called off? Zero. Ew. I came in sick. I got in a wreck literally on my way to work one time. Airbags went off. My car was total. But you know what? I made it to work on time. There are no more excuses. Us collectively and management team have had enough. And if you want to work here, don't. It's as simple as that. If you're here and want to work, then work. No more complaining about not being cut out or not being able to leave early. You're in the restaurant business. Do you think I want to be here until midnight on Friday and Saturday? No, I'd much rather be at home with my husband and dog, going to the movies or seeing family, but I don't. I'm dedicated to being here, as should you. No more excuses or complaints. Hope you choose to continue work here, and I think we, management, make it as easy as we can on you all. Thank you for your time, and thank you to those who come in every day on time and work hard. I wish there were more like you. Okay. Rest, yeah, that's exactly what happened. The restaurant representative said, this message is not aligned with our company's values. We can confirm we have parted ways with this manager. 546. 55 KRC, the talk station. Right, the rest of them aren't coming into work tomorrow. Right, Joe? <laughs> the talk station. 551, 55 KRC, talk station. Happy for, uh, Wednesday. Listener lunch Wednesday, price a little chilly. Going to head over to the phones here. i got a couple of callers online. I'm going to start with Mike. Mike, welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. Hey, how are you doing? I'm well enough. I'm here. Hey, I'm awake, you? barely. <laughs> Oh, man, I, hey, when you was talking about working, uh, we work 14-hour days driving trucks. Yeah. 40-hour week means it's only Wednesday. I get you. You know, I, you, hey, I'm, uh, I'm not going to discount the hard work that you did. You know, when I was a lawyer, it was the same thing. You worked basically 12 to 14-hour days, six days a week. You made the same salary whether you worked eight-hour days or 14-hour days. But when you had partners looming over you who had control over your entire destiny and whether or not you were going to practice another day of law at that firm, you tended to work the 12 to 14-hour days, six days a week. That's why one yeah. of the reasons why I'm happy I'm a recovering lawyer. But go ahead, man. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, I used to, I used to work in a foundry. I used to work 12, 16-hour days, six days a week. Yeah. Swinging a 20-pound sledgehammer all day and knocking the, knocking the heads off of bolsters. But what I you was win. calling about, what I was calling about was, uh, first of all, I'd like to plug something real quick. My house bills, S2598 and HR9110 for the bankruptcy protection for student loans. 
And December 11th, MSNBC is having a Lone Wolves premiere of a documentary. Watch that. But what I was calling about was uh, they were talking about the shortage on um, on fertilizer and stuff. How's there a shortage? I mean, um, over in Franklin County and Pickaway County, they're taking it out of the wastewater treatment plants out of, and putting that on the fields, plus all the hogs and cattle manure that they have. Why yeah. can't they fertilize the fields with that? Well, we I suppose I suppose you can, but when you're dealing with the fertilizer shortage, you're referring to the type that's manufactured using liquid uh, natural gas uh, and ammonia. So that's the mass-produced fertilizers. And because we have, um, well, powers that be refuse to let us use petroleum products and natural gas and are shutting down all of those areas, you run into a fertilizer shortage compounded by the situation with Russia and Ukraine and on and on and on and on. It's part of the green agenda, my friend. And soon enough, they'll take away your uh, cow poop from you and your pig poop from you because, of course, those are evil methane-producing creatures. And Lord knows we can't have anything out there uh, releasing methane. Mm, We'll all die. Ah, run for the hills. Barbara, welcome to the program. Happy Wednesday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Yeah, happy Wednesday to you and We'll be at Listener Lunch today. All right. I'm coming down on Access. In fact, they're picking me up at uh, 9.45 Oh, my morning. word. Oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't start at the bar too early, Barbara. Well, <laughs> I wanna, I'll go to the bar when you're there. There you go. That's, you wait for me to show up. All right. Yeah, and, and also, are, is your mom going to be no. there? No, your, mom's not your, coming. No. Uh, what about your sister? Uh, no. No? No. Okay. Well, I was hoping maybe if they were, I would like to have seen them. Yeah, but... well, they, they neither of them will be there. My mom has got way too much on her plate these days. Yeah, Emotional issues with my dad, coupled with her new uh, condo. She's busily dealing with all the ins and outs of taking over an older place. And, you know, up, she's got way too much on her plate, and she just can't handle it. So I... I, I <laughs> I, that is something that I never expect. Mom showing up to oh, listen to lunch. Would you please tell her hi for me? You though, just did. Even though she doesn't. Uh, Barbara, well, yeah, you, I guess she's. She's that, listening know. right now. You just did, so I don't need to pass it along. But I will pass it along to you. She but certainly one, appreciates you asking about her and uh, and saying hi. I know that for yeah, a fact. One quick thing before you sign off with me. That is my church, which is Fleming Road United Church of Christ. This Sunday. Is uh, we're doing a cantata uh, called a festival of lessons and carols, and anybody can come to that service. 
It's a, it'll start at 10.30 a.m. I sing in the church's choir, as you well know. Yes, I do. <laughs> and um, well, anybody who wants to come is welcome. Everybody who wants to come is welcome. That's, and, and, that, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be at a church, right, Barbara? Everyone yes. who wants to come is welcome. But this time of year, of course, there's even more incentive to do it. So, listeners, there's one more thing for you to do. And, of course, you want to meet Barbara at Listener Lunch today. Show up at Price Hill Chili about 1130. I'll see you there, Barbara. Safe travels. Coming up at 556. 55 Care CD Talk Station, area code 513. A very happy Wednesday to you. My name is Brian Thomas, host of the 55 Care CD Morning Show. Executive producer of the program, he's Joe Strecker. You know that. Internet research guru, all around great guy. In addition to doing the executive producing the show and lining up guests, uh, beginning at 730 with Donovan O'Neill from Americans for Prosperity, specifically the Ohio State Director for Americans for Prosperity. Talking about the need to defeat HB 235, as well as some other lame duck bills. Get the deets. At 7.30 with Donovan, followed by Christy Ertle, one of the concerned parents in Lakota School District. She's with a group called ProtectLakotaKids.com. You can check it out right now if you want. Got an issue with the Lakota School Board and their superintendent there, and she'll give us the details on that and her concerns at 8.05, followed by Judge Anna Napolitano, protecting the speech that we hate. Uh, regular subject matter, the lights, rights of you to, um, well, speak freely, even if you're a jerk. Uh, even if you have bad things to say, that's what America's built on, the idea of a free exchange of values, and I, I wholly embrace that. I don't embrace some of the messages that people like to speak. Um, but you know what? We live in a world filled with contradictory points. We need to hash them out and flush them out. And by speaking about it, we realize who the crazy people are in the world. Uh, he's got a comment or two about Kanye West in there. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even want to go down that route. I say that 5 o'clock hour started out like I really ignore anything related to most all quote-unquote celebrities, movie stars. I have no idea what Kanye West is all about. As a matter of fact, you probably pay, play a whole montage of Kanye West songs, and I don't know that I've ever heard a single one of them. I just know the guy seems to have gone off the rails at some point, but I don't care. I don't know why, and uh, the idea that these – Certain names keep popping up the news almost regularly. And you know what's interesting? That it's a lot of conservative media outlets who perpetuate these insane messages that the left spews out. And if you didn't have a conservative media outlet, and I'm not going to diss Breitbart, but they're ones that do this all the time. I like talking to the Breitbart folks, and I think it's a wonderful website for getting, you know, a, a well written and well researched, more conservative spins on the news. <laughs> And also a bunch of news you might not see elsewhere because mainstream media won't produce it. But they'll also always have a whole slew of bat crap insanity from the likes of Michael Moore and Barbara Streisand. I'm like, if this media outlet didn't mention what these clowns are saying, would anybody know it? If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a noise? See, I'll fall into that latter category. Out of sight, out of mind. Don't care what Kanye's saying. Don't care what Barbara Streisand's saying. Fine. Opinions are like sphincters. We all got them. I enjoy hearing from you, though, and you can feel free to call 513-749-5500, 800-823-TALK. Uh, for those who were following the Georgia race and who wasn't, sorry, Raphael Warnock won. Uh, it was a tight one, 50.8% to 49.2%. Uh, Walker has already conceded the race, so don't think that there is going to be some sort of you know, recount. At least there's no rumblings or hints of that right now. And uh, that balance, that 50 Point eight to forty nine point two, 
was with 96% of the vote counted. It seems to be a foregone conclusion, and apparently uh, Walker did recognize that and made remarks to supporters last evening conceding the election. So that's 51-49 in the Senate. That will give the uh, Democrats some more leverage insofar as uh, getting legislation moved forward out of committees. They don't have to play nice with the Republicans anymore. Uh, and some of the more centrist Democrats, as I pointed out in the last hour, are, have lost a bit of the power that they had. Uh, Democrats required lockstep unanimity, of course. So did Republicans if they were fighting over legislation. And, you know, you had your Joe Manchins of the world who came up yesterday in connection with the military defense deal, the NDAA. Uh, because he was hoping to get some legislation put in there that relaxed the EPA standards on uh, drilling and pipelines and things. The leftist in his party said no and on the republic on the, uh, the the House side, putting it in jeopardy, the provision that was in the NDAA. And then on the Senate side, you had the Republicans saying, no, we're not going to reward you for stabbing us all in the back by voting for the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which was nothing more than a massive multi-trillion dollar Green New Deal project. So without further ado, we're going to go to the phones real quick here before we move on and see what else is in there, including getting rid of the COVID mandate for our military personnel. Let's see what Dave's got to say this morning. Dave, welcome to the morning show. Hey, Brian. Hey, I was listening to you talking about that manager talking about people not to call in sick and stuff. Yeah. Well, or excuses. Well, I got three things. Number one, uh, used to work in the hay fields for a dollar an hour for, for about four years. Right. And and then uh, I was build worked one summer building uh, grain storage silos, you know, the ones that go about 100 feet for landmark sure. and those. And I went in one day. Uh, night before I broke my foot and went in the next day and started running a sort of like a jackhammer on one foot till the boss seen me and told me to go to the hospital <laughs> and he made me maybe go. But then, um, uh, uh, I was teaching and I got a kidney stone early in the morning and taught all day with the kidney stone, left school, went Ooh. to UC Claremont and taught till nine o'clock at night same kidney stone, went home at 11 o'clock and decided uh, I better go to the hospital. And I yeah. went to the hospital and passed the kidney stone, got up the next day and went to work, and they were surprised to see me. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people have yeah. a very committed work ethic, and some people have a measured work ethic, and some people have zero work ethic. And you always fall yeah. into some area in, 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 on that spectrum. The The reason that story was in the stack of stupid is because the manager did not acknowledge that people do have a work-life balance. They expected people to yeah. never take off, to never take I – mean, listen, if you're sick and you're in the food service industry, this is why I think this person got fired. You shouldn't go to work. If you're contagious, I don't want you breathing all over my food. That's disgusting. You know, I, I used to work yeah. when I was sick. And matter of fact, I was sick one day at work and my part, partner at the law firm. And I was like, man, I, I and I never took sick days off. I was bad sick. Like my head was exploding. I was miserable. And I knew that I wasn't getting effective work done. It was kind of pointless gesture being there. And I walked into him and I'm all flush and I feel feverish. And I'm like, you know, Mark, I, I really, really feel bad today. He looks at me. He goes, you know what, Brian? Sometimes it's just best to work through these things. And I left the office, not the office office, I left his office and went back to mine and finished up my day at work. Was that appropriate decision? Was that good managing? Uh, was that right? the right thing to do? I'm going to go no across the board on that. I should have gone home and gotten bed. 
So anyway, there, we could talk about that kind of thing all day long. Have a work ethic. Try to be there at all times and don't abuse your time off privileges. And we can all get a little work-life balance together and play nicely. Ryan, welcome to the 55KRC Morning Show. Happy Wednesday to you. How are you? I'm well. I hope you can say the same. Yeah, yeah I was giving you the, the fentanyl update. It's across the whole country now. The I guess the new car fentanyl is a peach kind of stuff, but uh, I don't know what's going on with them. We're, we're trying to figure out a way to stop it. Don't well, know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it one way or the other. Well, well, I, the way I think it's going to stop is everybody that's out there buying illegal drugs will die. Um, well, and I mean, they're that, putting it on everything now. They're putting it on everything. I know, literally everything. I've Ryan, I've said this a bunch of times. I'm worried for parents out there who aren't keen to the reality that the Adderall that every single one of the children out in the world is taking just to get a speed fix or stay up late to cram for exam night or simply because it makes them feel good and wide awake at times when they stayed up too late last night, they're getting fake fentanyl, it, or rather Adderall. It may very well have fentanyl in it. They're going to drop dead. The pills look exactly like real prescription medication. They're not in many cases. So that's that that one to yep. me is frightening because you have a kid out there who's got every one of his friends with a real prescription for Adderall, probably was getting real pills, and at some point we have an Adderall shortage, which we do, which means they're gonna turn elsewhere. And then the fake pills yep. are gonna start purveying in the market, and then kids are gonna start dropping dead, even though they never intended to take fentanyl in the first place. You're right. It's a exactly. scourge. It's a problem. But what do we do about it? Our border is wide oh, well. open. It is an open pathway for drugs. No one in the administration seems to care about that a whit. Everybody in the border will tell you what? who's fighting the drug battle. That it, you know, if they're behind the scenes, they say the quiet part out loud. It is a colossal failure. It's like fighting the Sisyphean, uh, Sisyphean challenge of rolling the rock up the hill, never accomplishing your goal. You get 500 pounds of fentanyl, one bust. There are 9,000 pounds of fentanyl that don't get busted. I feel sorry for law enforcement agents who are in the drug fighting business because, you know, you got to get up and go today and realize you're you're waging a battle that can't be won. I think the fundamental problem is we have a drug problem in America. It's the demand. And if there wasn't a demand, we wouldn't be having a market flooded with fentanyl and having to worry about these problems. Thus, it has ever been, I suppose. Me out in Cincinnati was the cat house, though, right down there by the museum. I'm not oh not familiar with that Ryan. Anyway, yeah. broad problem. I appreciate you bringing it up though. Something we all got to worry about. An opportunity to remind parents out there: talk to your children. At minimum, talk to them about the Adderall. <laughs> At minimum, you got a kid that's reasonably honest with you, like mine. Oh, they'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. Six sixteen fifty five KRC the talk station. Uh, U.S. insulation is not everywhere, but it should be. If you don't have a home that's insulated properly, you pay too much for your uh, energy bill. Station. Coming up at 821 at 55 City Talk Station. And happy Wednesday. Listen, lunch day. Price a little chilly. Hope to see you there. Looking forward to that. I'm going to see my dad ahead of time. So um, make a swing by. It's rather close to uh, Price Hill Chili where he is right now. So anyway, I'll give you further updates when I have them. But again, not looking good for dad. But we are going to have a good time today. It's the holiday celebration of uh, Price Hill Chili. So why not? Put your holiday smile on. And put a smile on. Congratulations. The House and Senate negotiators have rescinded the requirement that members of the military be vaccinated against COVID-19. That done, the capitulation from the Democrats, and you know, it really irks me that this is a Republican-Democrat thing. It just, hmm. How about just a freedom of choice 
thing. And I recognize in the American military, you're deprived of a freedom of choice on a lot of things. You have to get all kinds of vaccines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But this particular one has not turned out the way everybody expected. It does not stop you from getting a disease and not stop you from spreading a disease. And it's also off-putting to members of the American military or would-be members of the American military, I would say, who might be uh, interested in being recruited or serving their country. Big problem with recruiting going on, and this is just one reason why they're having a recruiting problem. So they got rid of the problem. Compromise National Defense Authorization Act announced yesterday will increase America's security budget for the fiscal year 2023. Man, can you get your head around a figure this big? $857.9 billion. That's a $45 billion increase, more than Biden had even requested, and a huge increase from last year's defense bill, which was, oh, a mere $778 billion. In it, 4.6% pay raise for military service members, which doesn't even keep up with inflation, i got to point out. An increase in housing allowance for service members, 2%. Authorizes funding for the State Department, intelligence agencies, new aircraft included, ships, vehicles for combat, budgeting for newer technologies, hypersonic missiles, for example. Now, Republicans were pushing to the end the uh, Defense Department's COVID-19 vaccine rule, and they've been doing this since it was implemented back in August 2021, claiming it will help recruitment by getting rid of it. And as of right now, 3,400 U.S. military members have been discharged. (coughs) Excuse me. Because they refuse to get the vaccine. 3,400. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy um, was happy about the revocation of the vaccine mandate, called it a common sense change. However, and here's the sad part of it, they get rid of the vaccine mandate for incoming recruits. They will not be reinstating troops that have been discharged for not getting the vaccine. Republicans pushed for that, but I guess they just didn't have the will or the votes. So that's, I, I think, a real sad thing. Anyhow. Talks over the NDAA were bogged down yesterday. Apparently, Congress endeavoring to stuff everything in that bill that had nothing to do with the U.S. military uh, or military funding. Energy permitting is one of them. That was the uh, Joe Manchin pipeline deal. The promise from the Democrats that they would give him some leeway insofar as environmental regulations and drilling and pipelining. Democrats threatened to vote against the NDAA if included Manchin's permitting legislation. Hey, let's turn to one of them, Representative Rashida Tlaib. Yes, one of the leftiest. This would gut bedrock environmental regulations and fast-track fossil fuel projects. I refuse. I refuse. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To allow our residents in frontline communities to continue to be sacrificed for the fossil fuel industry's endless greed. That netted a WTF for me on my notes as I read that. Is that what it's all about? 
See, global warming impacts residents in whatever the frontline communities are and that they are being sacrificed for the fossil fuel industry. Joe, do you live in a frontline community? You don't know, do you? It's not defined here. She hasn't mentioned what that means or how that is uh, impacts them any more differently. Bottom line is there are a bunch of leftists that said no, they wouldn't vote for it. Uh, and then over on the Republican side, GOP lawmakers said basically uh, no. It doesn't go far enough to spur oil and gas production. Few of them also said, nah, you know what? We're not going to vote for that thing. We're not going to reward Joe Manchin for helping uh, him, uh, for, for, for him passing this Inflation Reduction Act, which had nothing to do with inflation and everything to do with funding Green New Deal projects to the tune of gazillions of dollars. According to uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, Senator Manchin, if you think you're going to get 60 votes to get the sweeteners, you need to think long and hard about what you're doing. So it was a no-go on the Republicans uh, on the on the Senate side, and it was a no-go from the progressives on the uh, on the House side. What you did get is an elimination of the vaccine mandate. So the members of American military newly signed up don't need to get a vaccine that doesn't ultimately really do anything. Six twenty-six fifty-five KRCD the talk station. Six thirty-one and fifty-five KRC, the talk station. Little Iggy there, some forty-one and Iggy. I always enjoy that song. Thank you, Joe Strecker. A uh, little adrenaline rush when you play it. Going to go to the phones real quick before I get to local stories. Mike, you have a name. It's Cribbage Mike on the uh, <laughs> on the telephone display now. Welcome to the morning show. You going to be making a lunch today? I will be there, Brian, with my lovely bride wearing my Christmas attire. And if we got time, maybe we can have round two. I'm looking forward to it. I hope we do have time. And you married out of your league, brother. Good good, good for you. Smart, <laughs> Absolutely. Smart men always do. Well, I appreciate you starting your show today with the words of Franklin Delano Roosevelt in front of Congress on December 8th, because uh, we do need to remember that today is Pearl Harbor Day. Yes, sir. Uh, And even though it's been 81 years ago, there were close to 2,000 people that lost their lives that day, including over 1,100 that are interred aboard the USS Arizona. So just like the World Trade Center at Ground Zero, that is hallowed ground. I was fortunate on my first submarine, USS Skate, to be stationed in Pearl Harbor and... uh, it was, a, it was indeed an honor to be there and not a bad place to be stationed as a 21-year-old to work there for three years. I bet. My friend Steve was stationed in Hawaii, too, uh, and he's a retired military. And I, I, from all accounts, I'm guessing he enjoyed it as well, although he did he did go to the sandbox for a while. But um, I think a lot of folks did. But Hawaii, is, Hawaii is indeed epic beautiful. I, I had the, uh, the pleasure to go there with my wife on a vacation night. Always vowed in the back of my mind I was going to go back because it was just amazing. The uh, the memorial itself, uh, it, it, as every Navy veteran knows or anybody that's supported by the Naval Installation, at 8 a.m. every day they play the national anthem, and that's exactly when the attack took place. Yeah. So to stand there for morning colors, it, it, it just sends chills up and down your spine to look at, at that memorial. Yeah, and it, it's so fitting that in 99 they brought the USS Missouri, another battleship, where the surrender documents were signed there in Tokyo Bay. So literally you have the beginning of the war, the Arizona Memorial, 
and right next to it is the USS Missouri. But then it gives you the the awe-inspiring impact. You look at the size of that ship, I know. and that's what's underneath that water there with 1,100 <clears throat> sailors and marines interred i know we were not there uh for for the national anthem that at the time of day but we did see the memorial when my wife and i went and it is awe-inspiring and i would argue even if you're not there uh at eight for the for the national anthem it will still send chills up your spine to to witness it and and really fully appreciate when i mean you can see the damn ship it's right there oh yes it's just you look right down oh it's it's absolutely amazing the sacrifice and of course um that set us off on uh, a tear toward victory. You don't mess with the snake, baby. You're going to get bit. That's what happens. Mike, I can't thank you enough for your service, and I am certainly looking forward to seeing you at Listener Lunch today. It's always a real pleasure to hear from you, my friend. And God bless you, Brian. God bless you, Mike. Price so chilly, about 1130 if you can make it. Let's see what Dennis has got this morning. Dennis, thanks for calling, and happy Wednesday to you. Well, happy Wednesday to you, Brian. And, yeah, I'm going to be there at Price Hill Chili. All right. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't looked for the address, but I went over to Price Hill the other night, uh, spent the night with a friend, a former co-worker at the, my favorite overnight Kroger gig, but he's from Guatemala. And, uh, you know, that neighborhood has lots of people from Guatemala. Of course, certainly all his neighbors and friends there are from Guatemala. But uh, when I was there in 2001 for the Ohio Migrant Education Center, uh, not teaching, but I did set up a, an English program there in a the church, but we uh, were had to, you know, like count people who had come in, uh, you know, initially from doing migrant work, you know, and then we yeah. qualify for, for benefits, although they were now in the city. There were uh, businesses there. There was a place called Sylvia's. It was a restaurant. Oh, sure. Sylvia's had a store. You remember that? Of course. I grew up on the west side, my friend. Delhi's where my, my, I spent my, my childhood years. Okay. Well, that's long gone. Sylvia's is. And so, like, there's still a Guatemalan presence, but I don't see, like, business signs just in my brief tour uh, of, you know, places that are showing Guatemalan businesses, including the Guatemalans that I know there don't know of any either, you know. I mean, they have, like, general purpose Latin American stores, but not, you know, per se stuff from Guatemala because, to me, Price Hill had a, a real Guatemalan flavor, and uh, I would say that I signed up more than 120 people for schools that year. I mean, you know, there's, no the, school could not handle the, you know, the school couldn't handle the registration with its personnel and lack of Spanish speakers. So that's one of the things I would do for the Migrant Education Center in the fall. I would come on and, uh, you know, I'd go up to Painesville, Ohio, where they, you know, close to Cleveland, get over 200 up there, but, you know, clipboards and, uh, and uh, the bus, you know, and just, uh, Bringing the, bringing the parents through and signing the kids up. Now, I haven't lived on the west side in a long time. I you know, left Cincinnati and moved to Chicago for a while, and then we ended up living in the Sims Township. We moved back. But real quick, how is it that so many Guatemalans ended up in that particular area of town? I, I wasn't even aware there was a significant Guatemalan presence on the west side. Well, you know, and I'm not sure how they wound up in that area of town, but I think I've mentioned or at least did to Kevin Gordon. We had a joke there at work about Guatemalans from San Marcos. And these guys from San Marcos actually speak a Mayan language first called Mom. They don't even learn Spanish at home. And like I met one at my favorite Beaver Creek Mexican restaurant last Friday night. He's uh, from uh, San Marcos, Guatemala. He's about four feet 11. And I just kind of kind of clipped, are you from San Marcos? And yeah. And uh, sure enough, uh, that's, I don't know. I've, I've got a joke, hmm. though, that I ran with my coworkers there about San Marcos. I said, we could go there. I could bring some gringos down for tourism. They could take a special sauna bath that's famous in that area where they burn up all these all these nice uh, woods and the, with sap in them, and they warm up the rocks, you know, and have some uh, – we'll have the, the Indian women will be a little prettier than usual for their yeah. gringo friends. 
And while they're down there getting a nice sauna, we just go into town and recruit some people who want to come up to Cincinnati or Dayton and work. Well, it's a good idea. I mean, I, hey, if, if we need the workers and they come here lawfully, legally, that's A-OK with me, man. Um, I just know that if you end up burning wood for a Guatemalan sauna, somebody's going to probably accuse you of, uh, in, in, of of killing the planet. And on that note, good to hear from you, Dennis. Have a good one. 638, 55. 642, almost 643 at 55 KRCD Talk Station. December 7th, a date that will live in infamy. Yes, indeed. Joe did open the show with uh, FDR's famous uh, words on that, words that effect. And I have Todd on the phone with a comment about that. 513-749-5500, 800-823-TALK. Todd, thanks for holding over the break. Welcome to the program. Brian, top of the Wednesday to you, buddy. How you doing? I'm healthy. I'm well, man. I hope you can say the same. Thanks for asking. All is good here, man, at the command center. Hey, just wanted to let you know, we got back from uh, Maui, spent two weeks in Maui, did a little family celebration, but we took a day and flew over to Honolulu. Oh, um, good. Everything right there, Pearl Harbor, 10 minutes from the airport, we took a cab over. But I'll tell you, one of the, and I've been there before, right? Yeah. But we did Missouri, and I'm telling you, I'll never forget that. That's the size, the, then went in through there, went down into second level, and they said those turrets, those turrets are like the size of semi-trucks. And they said when they fire, and it says the size of like a, a, a VW um, bug or whatever, but when they fire, they don't move an inch. Now think about that back in the 40s, the yeah. technology and the engineering. And just, I tell you what, I had a lot of respect for people to do, but when you walk through that ship, you're like, how does this all work together? Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? a good point. It's just amazing. I, anybody that's never been there, Take your money out of the bank, because I'm telling you, that's why we're the greatest country in the world. And I hope you have a great day, buddy, but I want to put my two cents in. I, I'm glad kids, you did, 13, Todd. 15 and 17, we're able to see that, too. Uh, see, and that's really important. You know, folks, when you get a little bit older, you've heard the stories over and over again. Whether you got to visit or not, you at least have some familiarity with it. But a young person being able to see that coupled with the story that goes along with it. That's an education that is well worth the expenditure of time and money, and it will be certainly enjoyable because you're in Hawaii, for God's sake. It's epic, beautiful. And thanks to Jeff who pointed out that, yeah, they call that the bookends, the Arizona and Missouri memorials, uh, as um, uh, my friend Mike pointed out earlier, you know, the beginning of the war and the end of the war are right there. So uh, that is referred to as the bookends. What did we fight for? I doubt it was diversity seminars for the Air Force Band. I got that story to bring to your attention. This is embarrassing, folks. Is that what we fought World War II for? We'll find out. Just shy of 650 here at 55 Care City Talk Station. Anyone here, Chuck's finishing, uh, concluding remarks there, Joe? I know it wasn't your fault. It's only your fault when the top of the hour news is reporting on things celebrity related that magically the news just stops mid sentence and we move on. I know you don't know what I'm talking about. Dad, back in the day, uh, the, remember the remember carts, Joe? Remember pla- the plastic carts? For the folks who don't know what a cart is, uh, back in the day, they, they looked like little eight tracks. And that's the way all the music was recorded on this. And you had rows and rows of these cart machines. And every day before the show, Dad would stack up his carts. Each of them had music on it or commercials, as the case may be. And they would fire in sequence. Um, I don't do any of that. That's Joe's job now. We don't have carts anymore. Of course, it's all digital. <laughs> But going over to what Joe does from time to time. No, what Joe doesn't do from time to time, stop things midstream. Anytime there was a song that my dad hated, magically the cart, which was tape, broke. 
Oh, the cart broke because they told him what he had to play. They had pre-programmed, pre-selected music lists, and he had to follow those. He didn't have any discretion uh, after a certain period of time in his career. It's like, okay, this is the business. Here's what you're going to play. And I believe the last time that uh, he told me a story about that happening, i.e. the cart broke, it was a Madonna song. So we're going back to 1985, I believe, back when she was the boy toy. So, no, he would not abide. And, oh, I'm sorry, the cart broke. Couldn't get couldn't get Madonna in today. Anyway, uh, obviously it's Pearl Harbor Day, uh, December 7th, the date that we'll live in infamy. And quite a few callers this morning talking about that, as well we should. And question, uh, did we fight World War II so that we would go and start spending money on diversity, inclusion, and inclusion seminars for the United States Air Force Band? The band. Apparently we did. U.S. Department of Defense is spending $91,000 on this diversity inclusion program. The money awarded to Black Pearl Chamber Orchestra in Philadelphia. They'll be providing the training for the Air Force Band. Air Force Band, parenthetically, has 184 active duty members. Thank you, Fox News, Jessica Chasmore, for letting you know about that fun fact. Anyway, according to the website, the Black Pearl Chamber Orchestra's mission Quote, is to take the audience beyond spectatorship to participation in the musical experience by combining artistic excellence with cultural diversity and innovative community engagement. You got that, Joe? Can you, can you run that through Google translations and let me know what that means in English? Quote, Black Pearl's education and community engagement activities are unique because they offer audiences. Now, remember, you're listening to the Black Pearl Chamber Orchestra, and I'm sure that they are quite proficient at what they do. I'm not going to doubt their musical ability. Black Pearl's education and community engagement activities are unique because they offer audiences unprecedented and direct access to the musicians and conductor. These award-winning programs were created by Maestro Johnson, who believes that giving audiences, regardless of their level of knowledge, the opportunity to reach into an art form for a more direct experience is the best way to engage them. Close quote. That's from their website. Dude, I know. I wrote, huh? Question mark after that. Why don't you just say straightforward what it is that you do? <laughs> Parenthetically, like all grants to non-governmental organizations, this ain't the first check that was written to the Black Pearl Chamber Orchestra in Philadelphia. The same orchestra received a $100,000 grant in June from the National Endowment for Arts. From funds that President Joe Biden's America Rescue Plan used to support personnel. This is the money. The money was used to, quote, support personnel and facilities expenses in response to and recovery from COVID-19. Okay. Fox News reached out to the Department of Defense and Air Force for comment on why they're spending $91,000 to hire a, a band to teach diversity inclusion to a band. I guess they're uniquely suited for that job. Several service members speaking with Fox News Digital uh, earlier this year, so the military recruits are being indoctrinated by left-wing dogma, and the senior members who speak out on the issue risk their careers or retirement pensions. One service member speaking with Fox merely questioning the goals or methods used to promote equality and diverse or equity and diversity is punished. 
and that punishment is swift, harsh, and public. Senator Tom Cotton had this to say, when I encouraged military whistleblowers to share their concerns privately, we were flooded with hundreds of messages about declining standards and degraded capabilities. In some cases, essential training in weapon systems, navigation, and ship handling is falling by the wayside while commanders are forced to prioritize woke diversity training you'd expect to see in a liberal arts campus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo apparently launched a website recently in an effort to stop the spread of wokeness throughout our armed forces. His words, he also said, I can assure you that there is no Russian general no Iranian leader, no Chinese Communist Party admiral who's spending one second thinking about gender or woke ideology or climate change. They're thinking about how to kill Americans, and the fight is on. We have to walk away from this radical left ideology. We cannot let it penetrate our military. Well, I concur with you, Mike, but it looks like it's already been penetrated. And apparently a lot of service members walking kind of funny as a consequence of it. 656-55 KRCD Talk Station, 513-749-5500, 800-823-TALK. Stick around. We're going to hear from Americans for Prosperity's Ohio State Director, Donovan O'Neill, about some uh, lame duck bills that need to be dressed. We'll do that at 730. I'll be right back. The gift of information. See the talk station. Seven oh six. Here at fifty five KRC, the talk station. It is Wednesday, listener lunch Wednesday. I've been telling everybody all morning. I've been trying to remind folks throughout the last couple of weeks. Uh, Price Hill Chili is where we're going to be today at right around eleven thirty. Bob Wetter will be there as Santa Claus. He's bringing with him his elf, and he, of course, is hoping that maybe you'll get an ornament off the wish tree there. It's Price Hill Chili. Uh, that little wish tree ornament will have a a gift that some local person in need could use. And if you buy the gift, you bring it back to Price Hill Chili, uh, or take it to the charity yourself. Either way, the gift will certainly lay in the hands of the uh, worthy. Uh, recipient putting a smile on the face of uh, folks in need this year, and that's what Bob's all about. Good man. So don't call him Bob today at Listener Lunch. You can call him Santa Claus, but maybe consider grabbing an ornament off the wish tree. That makes somebody's uh, Christmas. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Donovan O'Neill, the Americans for Prosperity, Ohio State Director. He uh, wants to tell you about, in his words, the need to defeat HB 235 and some other lame duck bills to discuss. That'll be at the bottom of this hour, followed by Christy Ertle. 8.05, one hour from now, Concerned Parents in Lakota School District. Um, this is an organization called, and you can check it out right now if you'd like. It's protectlakotakids.com. Apparently, they got some issues going on out there with the uh, Lakota School Board as well as the superintendent. Christy will fill us in on the details in an hour. And, of course, it's Wednesday, so we'll hear from Judge Anna Napolitano about protecting the speech that we hate 
Uh, should be a fun conversation with Napolitano. I believe it always is. I hope you uh, enjoy it as much as I do. Uh, yes, December 7, 1949, we are remembering Pearl Harbor. And yeah, it was something, something interesting. Uh, this was multiple co- coordinated attack. And something, a little you know, point of history that I wasn't aware, uh, they had already really taken strides, the Japanese did, to take over all the Pacific. And Franklin Delano Roosevelt, you know, after the famous uh, date that will live in infamy comments, he also pointed out that yesterday the Japanese government also launched an attack against Malaysia. He said, last night, Japanese forces attacked Hong Kong. Last night, Japanese forces attacked Guam. Last night, Japanese forces attacked the Philippine Islands. Last night, the Japanese attacked Wake Island. And this morning, the Japanese attacked Midway Island. So it was a multifaceted coordinated attack. And, of course, the Germans, as we all know, a couple of days later, uh, on December 11th, declared war against the United States, which, of course, brought us into the European theater of war as well. And we all know how that ended. It's a question whether uh, those the greatest generation who fought sacrificed their lives, their limbs, did this in the name of, I don't know, spending money on educating the U.S. Army band or whatever on woke ideology. Air Force band, sorry. Apologies to the Army. Maybe you guys already got uh, educated on woke ideology. Uh, just just depressing combination of uh, stories in there. Anyway, uh, you heard the outcome of the Georgia race. No need to, uh, to beat that dead horse. Maybe running a better candidate might be a good idea. I don't know. But in the final analysis, you got one more Democratic senator, which does tip the balance of power in favor of the Democrats, no longer needing Kamala Harris to break the votes, and also weakening the power of a guy like Joe Manchin, who is more of a centrist and can sort of get his way on certain items. That didn't go real well for Joe Manchin. Because he was promised the pipeline deal and some relief from the EPA and the regulations to get more uh, pumping done and more pipes laid on the ground. And no, the Democrats on his side of the ledger said they wouldn't vote for the NDAA if it was included in there. And the Republicans in the Senate said, you know, basically screw you, Joe, for a couple of reasons. First off, the concession that they gave you doesn't go far enough into rolling back the environmental regulations and Second of all, you're the one that's responsible for the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is literally gazillions of dollars for green projects. And if we didn't have you around and you didn't vote for that, we wouldn't be living the realities of the Inflation Reduction Act, which wasn't. So, you know, a part of me wanted that relief to be in there. The other part of me certainly didn't. What is not in there in the NDAA? Also removed. This is, you know, they always do this. They want to stuff a bunch of things that have nothing to do with national defense into these bills because they can't pass them independently or otherwise stuff them in something else. The Journalism Competition and Preservation Act is not in the NDAA in spite of Chucky Schumer's best efforts to get it in there. We had enough people, and I know Mitch McConnell was on board for putting it in there. This is the one that allows smaller news organizations to collectively join together in an effort to exact money out of places like Facebook and other social media uh, uh, dump sites for the content that the local media creates. Now, we all know that journalism is dying, going the way of the dodo. Local journalism, boy, wouldn't it be nice to have someone permanently on Cincinnati City Council to report on what they do? When's the last time you heard a story about the sheriff's department? Oh, that was right this morning with the one who took a photograph of a disabled man in a locker room, resulting in his being kicked out. But what's going on in the sheriff's department? Do you hear anything of late? Nope. Silence is deafening. No local media. So you had this local media uh, gradually drying up. But local media stories are 
right, placed on other social media sites. You know, you got your news dumps like Drudge. You got Facebook sending them out or posting them on their own news site. Same thing with Meta. And what this bill was supposed to do was allow all these local media outlets to join together to sort of collectively bargain to exact some money from the reposters of the local information. Like, hey, you're getting hits based upon what we wrote locally. Um, how about a little love for that? Well, that's the sum and substance of it. There were all kinds of hurdles and problems and uh, people from both the right and the left. It didn't do enough. It did too much. It was a real lightning rod. So in spite of where you might be on it, the ultimate point on this, it's not in the National Defense Authorization Act, I would argue, primarily because it never should have been in there in the first place. It's got not a damn thing to do with funding the American military. Nothing at all. So why was it even up for consideration? Why was Chucky Schumer's effort to soften the banking rules relating to their dealing with marijuana industry folks in the National Defense Authorization Bill. Well, it's not anymore because cooler heads prevailed and said, listen, this is stupid. Banks working with weed sellers is not a national defense issue, so don't put it in here. Now, Lord knows what else is in there that we haven't been able to talk about because they weren't these bigger, more prominently discussed topics. That's the case with every piece of legislation. But at least a couple of things that had nothing to do with America's military are not in there. Although the bill is a fat one, baby, $857.9 billion, $45 billion more than Biden requested, and uh, funding a whole lot of things, including rebuilding our American military. Our, our, our resources have been pretty much depleted, folks. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we've been spending a lot of money and sending a lot of mi- uh, missiles and arms and weaponry to Ukraine, and uh, we're running out. And this bill, they, 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 this NDAA they compromised on, designates a billion dollars. And I'd love to know the, the logistics on this one. One billion dollars for defense officials to buy minerals like hard-to-get metals, and lithium-ion battery ingredients for the country's defense stockpile, which, and I'll read the sentence from the Wall Street Journal, which has been depleted in recent decades, leaving the United States defense supply chains vulnerable to shortages. A couple of things on that point. I don't know to what extent the American military needs lithium-ion batteries. I presume they do for regular, you know, good old-fashioned run-of-the-mill military gear, like the communications devices, things of that nature. I don't know if, you know, these lithium-ion batteries go into manufacturing aircraft or tanks or other weaponry like that. I've got no problem if they do. I've got a problem with the military is going full green. Um, Joe, are they going to put Tesla charging stations out in the middle of a battlefield? Have you read anything about that? It's coming. So there's that whole idea, wait a minute, what, we, we need lithium-ion batteries? Okay, okay, let's make that concession. $1 billion for defense officials to buy the minerals needed to go into these necessary products for the American military. Uh, can anybody answer me the question where we're buying them from? Is this... Ultimately, a billion-dollar gift to the Chinese Communist Party, which is where most of these rare earth minerals come from? 
We're certainly not pulling them out of the ground here, are we? We can't do that. Our environmental rules won't let them. And NIMBY lawsuits won't let them. You want to start you know, a lithium-ion production facility here in the United States? Good luck. Why don't you do that right after building a nuclear plant and another refinery to deal with the, well, lack of refining capacity we have for the United States? All these environmental rules, man, I'm telling you, they you end up cutting your throat. You expose yourself. This is revealing to me. 715-55 KRCD Talk Station. 749 talk I'm going to jump over to the phones here if you'd like to call and make a comment. 513-749-5500, 800-823-TALK, and pound 550 on AT&T phones. To the phones we go. Tony's got a comment about the battery. He may be able to answer my question. Tony, thanks for calling today. Happy Wednesday to you. Hey, I'm talking a bit. Uh, but uh, hey, here's the thing with the batteries in the military. First off, everything needs batteries. Yeah. And when you're in the field separated from people, you have to carry them. So lithium batteries have actually been used by the military for a lot longer than you think. We're talking 20, 25 years was when they first started showing up. I guess now, that's the initial u- version of it's usually where non-rechargeable. We, we get our cutting edge technologies a lot from like programs like NASA and the American military, and they ultimately make their way out into the general public. I appreciate that. And I, I honestly, when I was criticizing the battery acquisition money or the, the, the mineral acquisition money, I really had no doubt in my mind that they are omnipresent. Batteries are absolutely necessary everywhere. I just had it in my mind that, you know, they're going to have battery operated tanks out there as opposed to ones that run on diesel or something. Um, that was sort of the, the, the tongue in cheek joke, but more fundamentally, maybe you yeah, can answer exactly. where we're getting the minerals from to make the batteries that we obviously so need. Yeah, I know that was, that was what you were getting at, but the need for batteries is everywhere. It's, sure. And also the, the, you were talking about, are we going green with the, all the lithium batteries, it's a question of weight. If you remember when we were kids, the non-CAD batteries, those oh, yeah. things are freaking heavy. D, remember D cells, yes. A simple you know. radio weighs like five pounds <laughs> on know. its own, and you got to carry two or three of those. It's <laughs> like, ugh. And they didn't last very long. I understand. I just wish we had the damn products ourselves. We could make them ourselves. Or if we're going to buy them in the open market, at least not buy them from the damn Chinese Communist Party. I mean, that really is the fundamental problem I have with the concept. That's why I'm on board with you with that. But but that's. I get it. I, I, At least I, now they are rechargeable. I understand. They were rechargeable initially. And they're better for the American military because they are lighter and can be recharged. You get no argument from me on the technological advances on that. I appreciate the qualifications, my friend. I really do. 722-55 cares the talk station. So we're talking about energy. I just wanted to get this one out there. This is insanity. Absolute bat crap insanity coming from California Governor Gavin, Gavin Newsom, who's requested a special session of their legislature to introduce... A proposal, which is the brain excrement from Democrat Senator Nancy Skinner, penalizing big oil companies who have, in their words, excessive profits. Gas prices are what's at issue in California. The most expensive gasoline in the country is in California. And go ahead, answer for yourself why that may be. All the reasons you could come up with why it's $6 a gallon in California and $3 and and change here. Right. It's California, man. It's green. It's taxes. It's all the, uh, uh, the, the the environmental rules and regulations they have, which cause the price to go up there. It's lack of refining capacity. It means you got to ship it over ground further away to get to California. Anyway, Newsom claims these big oil companies are gouging Californians and that there's no other way to explain the record high prices at the pump. Right. 
His words, ready? California price gouging penalty is simple. Either Big Oil reigns in the profits and prices or they'll pay a penalty. Big Oil has been lying and gouging Californians to the to line their own pockets long enough. I look forward to the work ahead with our partners in the legislature to get this done. Uh, the proposal, just for so you're wondering, what does excessive profit mean? They don't define it. <laughs> They do not define the maximum profit margin and penalty amounts. Well, those amounts will be determined through the legislative process, according to the press release from Newsom's office on Monday. Ah, we'll wait for it. It's pointed out the taxes and fees associated with environmental regulations that other states do not have is why they're paying $2.60 more per gallon in California. It's not price gouging. Um, speaking common sense, truth to power, a spokesperson for the Western States Petroleum Association, Kevin Slagle, who obviously understands economics, had this to say, whatever Governor, News- Governor Newsom wants to call it, this is a tax, and it's going to have the same impact that all taxes do on consumers, and that is to raise costs, not bring them down. Exactly. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a finite profit margin. It's not as big as you think it is. And if you start telling us we got to pay a big penalty, a.k.a. a tax, um, that's going to get passed on to the consumer. We're still going to maintain our profit margins. 725, 55 KRC Talk Station. Let's find out about uh, House Bill 235. Speaking of energy, we're going to hear Wednesday, listener lunch day, price still chilly. Yes, Bob. You will be there, Bob uh, Wetterer from the uh, the Wish Tree. We're going to have a Wish Tree at Price Old Chili, and we hope you can participate and help uh, those in need. In the meantime, I am so pleased to welcome to the 55 KRC Morning Show Americans for Prosperity, Ohio State Director Donovan O'Neill, to bring to attention why we need to defeat House Bill 235. Donovan O'Neill, pleasure to have you on the program today. I hope you and your family are well this time of year. Brian, we're doing well. Thank you for having me. My, pleasure. my real pleasure. Uh, okay, let's start right out of the gate. We're going to give a plug for Americans for Prosperity. Remind my listeners, and I'm sure they're familiar with the organization, but remind my listeners what American Pro- for Prosperity is all about before we dive into the specifics of HB 235. Yeah, well, Brian, thank you for that. We're one of the nation's largest grassroots advocacy organizations working to uh, here in Ohio to build a bolder, better Buckeye state. You know. Uh, uh, freedom and prosperity are what's made this country great, and uh, our team and our activists are working every day to advance policy reforms in communities around the country to to achieve just those those kinds of things. And it's sometimes a Sisyphean challenge feels like uh, when you're fighting for freedom, liberty, and prosperity because the powers that be, most notably the Democrats, aligned against all of that. They seem to want to control every single aspect of every element of our lives. It's the antithesis of what, you know, I mean, why we fought World War II, for example. Uh, it's frustrating. It is. Uh, unfortunately, though, in some cases, it's not just it's not just the Democrats right. that do this. We, we run this stuff across the political spectrum. 
235 being a great example yeah. of, of some misguided legislation <laughs> by our friends on the right. Donovan, that's why I set it up that way, because it's not just the Democrats. So let us, what in the hell is HB 235 here in Ohio, and why is it such a bad thing? Let's talk about it. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 a labor mandate on the oil and gas industry in the state of Ohio, like like a lot of like a lot of legislation uh, in, in both Columbus and D.C. Um, that, that's well-meaning, well-intentioned. It, it's rooted in this idea of public safety by its proponents. But the reality of it is, is it's a it's a solution in search of a problem. Oil and gas refiners in the in the state of Ohio and across the country, for that fact, for that matter, um, are among some of the safest in in the world right and yeah. the work um what they're trying to do with this legislation uh, and it's really a handout to the labor unions is create a um a new licensure requirement on construction workers at these oil and gas refineries and and and, and you know brian the way to get that license is is predominantly through a union owned um uh, education facilities right which are, are great facilities uh, but this, the mandate is where the issue really lies, requiring that the oil and gas refiners in the state of Ohio go through, uh, ha- have their folks come certified from those those training facilities. What, that mandate's a problem. Well, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, first, is, is this a, a solution in search of a problem? Uh, you already mentioned we're among the safest in the world in terms of that particular industry. Is there something that they can point to for the reason that they need a special licensure to work in this industry? That seems preposterous. Well, I think that's I think that's part of the problem, right? Oil and gas refiners are incentivized um, in order to keep productivity up, to to keep their workplaces safe and effective, right? So when they hire uh, when they hire in these folks to do to do the work on on the facilities, construction work on the facilities. Safety is is the number one priority out of the gate because they want to get these place these facilities repaired or refitted and, and up and running as quick as possible to be productive. Well, OSHA does apply to this industry as well. Are these industries not already subject to massive regulations related to, to protecting the workers as well as the general public? He asked almost rhetorically. <laughs> Well, absolutely right. I think it's it's redundant in terms of, of of those factors as well. Those those safety those safety requirements uh, already are in place. So, who is pushing this? Well, um, you know, the proponents of this largely come out of the uh, the construction trades unions, um, who who see this as an opportunity to increase increase membership, increase enrollment uh, for their for their efforts. Um, that's really where it where it begins and ends, right? Is is creating a a, a new uh, 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 avenue for for uh, organized labor to collect dues and 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 grow their ranks in a period of time where where their ranks are declining, um, and uh, uh, folks are are appreciating uh, uh, the dignity and independence of work. Well, I, I and I understand that all day long. So, of course, the labor unions, to the extent it's going to benefit them, would certainly push for this. But let us focus on our representative government. Who in uh, the state house in Ohio is embracing this? And uh, going back to the political conversation, you know, this is it doesn't sound like something Republicans would cotton to. This seems to be to be something completely against traditional Republican platform. So. Am I wrong on that, or we have got Republicans in Columbus that are behind this? Well, yeah, so Republicans are the ones pushing it. Uh, uh, Representative uh, Baldridge, fine gentleman in a lot of regards, uh, but on this one he's wrong. 
Uh, Representative Baldridge is the lead sponsor of this legislation. Um, you know, in talking with him, um, again, that, that public safety piece is something that he talks about. But I think it, it doesn't reconcile well with what you see Republicans putting in their campaign literature and typically talking right. about uh, their core principles of, of individual liberty, right? Yeah. Of, of limited government, um, of minor intrusion into the marketplace, uh, let alone in, ensuring that we have American energy independence. And uh, when we talk about American energy independence, uh, these same kinds of policies are what the Biden administration is doing to coerce our American economy into uh, a, a, a different place when it comes to energy policy. What the Biden administration is doing in Washington is unfortunately some of the same things that Republicans here in Ohio are advocating for through legislation like 235. I, I find that hard to, uh, to, 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 to comprehend, understand. Um, obviously, since it's just a, it's such a gift to the unions, it will certainly increase the cost of doing business in the state of Ohio. And we clearly don't have an outstanding safety problem in the state of Ohio. What is their? How do they justify it? Since it does so starkly fly in the face of traditional Republican platform norms. Well, it's it's that it's that it's that idea of 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 the public safety piece, right? Where where they've been they've been told uh, by the proponents, you know, the, the the special interests advocating for this legislation, that there there are problems in the industry. Uh, the facts don't show that uh, right. when you actually talk to the folks who work in the industry. Um, but but again, I think I think this idea of um, I think some of this goes back to this idea of keeping keeping the peace with with the labor unions um, and, and trying to try to keep those folks pacified uh, in, in here in Ohio. And I think the reality is, um, uh, you know, it, it runs amok with with the, the the core ideals of what what I've known uh, you know conservative principles to be. Well, clearly it does. So it sounds to me that they're they are willing to cause us to ultimately pay more for drilling and and oil related issues here in the state of Ohio in return for maintaining some union support because it seems at least leading up to the, uh, the the election this year, that Republicans are making some good inroads, much like the Ronald Reagan did with blue-collar workers. So you, you see this as an effort more to kind of keep that momentum moving forward with the Republican Party, uh, winning over some, uh, some, some of the blue-collar union folks? Yeah, but it was interesting. It brings to mind there was a uh, there was a tweet, there was a video. Uh, we'll tag it on our uh, on our, our Twitter at AFP Ohio, um, where the, bid, the the building trades uh, talked about the overtures that the Trump administration made to labor uh, during its four years, um, and uh, but that the that the Biden administration has actually been the ones to get those promises accomplished. And so again, right is. The, 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 we're, we're doing the bidding here in Ohio, if we pass 235, of the labor unions and the same policies that the Biden administration is advancing. Um, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sound like it makes sense. All right. So in terms of a call to action, Donovan O'Neill from Americans for Prosperity, Ohio State Director, what, uh, what would you recommend? Just getting in touch directly with our elected officials? Get in touch with your elected officials if you know them. Those personal contacts make a big impact. You can also visit BuckeyeBlueprint.com. BuckeyeBlueprint.com is our website for our campaign to build a bolder, better Buckeye state. Uh, we have a call to action on that on our take action section where you can you can very quickly with a few clicks let your legislator know that you oppose 235. 
Fantastic. I'll have uh, my executive producer, Joe Strecker, add your link to my blog page, 55krc.com, to make it easier for my listeners to get around this issue and, uh, of course, reach out to their elected officials. Can you stick around? Uh, because I understand there's some other lame duck bills you want to bring to my listeners' attention, Donovan. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Fantastic. Well, let's pause for a moment. I'll uh, keep the lights on, and uh, we'll let you have the floor when we return to talk about some other things on your talk station. For my listeners and me, it is about freedom, liberty, prosperity, and having the government get the hell out of our respective ways and allow us to live our lives and fighting that battle every day. Americans for Prosperity. And this morning we have the Ohio State Director for Americans for Prosperity, Donovan O'Neill. Okay, we got through HB 235. Sounds like a stupid idea. Sounds expensive and no need for it. Moving on. What other lame duck bills are floating around in there, Donovan, you want my listeners to know about? Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think 235 is certainly our, our biggest threat in this lame duck session as we, we close out the year. Uh, but it's not all it's not all dreary out there, right? There are some real opportunities to to to, to advance policy reforms that are going to make a bolder, better Buckeye State here in Ohio. Uh, there's a piece of legislation in the Senate Bill 131. It's an occupational licensure reform uh, bill. Uh, what it'll do is it'll open up Ohio for work. Uh, you have a lot of folks, right? You can imagine, uh, in order to work in a lot of fields, you need to have a license from the government in order to do that. Uh, a lot of it's, again, rooted in public safety. That is important. Uh, but we've grown from, um, in the 1950s, less than 5% of jobs requiring a license, to in Ohio now, according to sponsor testimony, 18%, almost one in five jobs, require some type of government permission slip in order to work. Um, and so, as you can imagine, as folks are, are moving to Ohio with their spouses or we're, we're trying to attract people uh, to our great state uh, who are licensed to work in other fields, say in Indiana or Michigan or Pennsylvania, when they come to Ohio, they have to go back through those same licensure training requirements for the jobs they might have been doing for 10, 20, or even 30 years. It just doesn't make any sense. It well, doesn't. Senate Bill 131, which is on track to, to head to the governor's desk here hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, if we can get it across the finish line uh, there in the General Assembly, will will allow those folks who are, are already trained, already qualified in other states, to be able to bring their skills to Ohio and help grow our economy well, and make us more prosperous. So we're excited about that. Yeah. Uh, got an opportunity. Yeah. Final that's, days, final push, but uh, that'll that, be big. That's like reciprocity with, uh, for example, driver's licenses. I don't have to go to a driver's license test if I drive to California. They honor Ohio's driver's license. If I got a license in some other state to do, I don't know, cosmetology or something, and I show up in the state of Ohio and I've got that, we should acknowledge and recognize that license as valid, much in the same way states do with concealed carry licenses, for example, or any other license. I mean, there's no reason not to. Spot on. That's that's exactly it. And so when you combine this with another piece of legislation on the regulatory front that occurred earlier this year, Senate Bill 9, known as the Red Tape Reduction Act, that one-two combo uh, just in these past 12 months is going to move Ohio from middle in the Midwest when it comes to regulatory uh, opportunity, re- regulation and licensures to, to number one in the nation. It's really exciting stuff. And, and, and what specifically will that do? <laughs> Well, yeah. So um, Senate Bill 9, the Red Tape Reduction Act, is going to re- does a couple of a really key things. One, uh, it's going to require about 30 percent of red tape regulations in the state and state government to be cut over the next few years, um, literally shrinking the size of government. Good. In fact, Brian, uh, the Mercatus Institute did a study a few years ago that sort of influenced and drove this legislation. Ohio 
was in the same class as California, Illinois, and New York. Uh, literally, those were the folks. I think we were 46, 47, with California, Illinois, and New York only being worse than us oh in my. all 50 states when it came to the size of red tape and regulation in the state of Ohio. Senate Bill 9 will cut that. Uh, it empowers transparency for folks uh, through a website known as uh, cutredtape.ohio.gov, uh, where Ohioans can go and input what red tape, what regulation is hampering their business or inhibiting their, their innovation. But then it also goes to the point of, for future regulations, requiring a, a one-in-two-out rule. So if we're going to create a new regulation, it best really be focused on, on that public safety element. Uh, because we're going to be removing some other things Good. from the from the, the regulations. It's great legislation. You put those two things together, Brian. That's why I say it's going to move us from middle in the Midwest to number one in the nation when it comes to that regulation, licensure, government permission slip environment that we've been operating in for a lot of years. Well, you've answered a lot of questions as to why yeah. Ohio isn't more competitive relative to other states. I mean, we're fighting this battle for the hearts and minds of all these people who are fleeing the heavily regulated states like New York and California uh, and running to states like Florida and Texas is like, well, why don't they run to Ohio? Well, you may have hit the nail uh, on the head insofar as why they might not. Too much regulation. Now it's the time to get rid of it. And that's SB9 sounds to me like uh, Donald Trump's uh, mandate for the federal government when he was president, which is if you're going to do a new one, you got to get rid of two, right? For every new regulation, you must yep. eradicate two. That is a positive development because Lord knows the Code of Federal Regulations, you couldn't get through that in four lifetimes if you sat down to read it. So, and uh, is okay. So, yes, on SB 131 and SB 9 both sound like real positive things. Do, do you, you foresee them passing and being signed into law or are they in jeopardy at, at, at all? Well, Senate Bill 9 was signed into law earlier this oh, year okay. by Governor DeWine. So, oh, good. so that, but we put those one, those two together. 131. You know, the lame duck session is a, is a very precarious environment, uh, rapidly moving and down to the wire. Um, so uh, we're, we're hopeful. We're working with a strong coalition. Uh, we've got, it's got great bill sponsor. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In, uh, in, in Center Rogue, Christina Rogner from, from Northeast Ohio. Uh, we think it's going to get to where it needs to be and, and to the governor's desk before Christmas. Well, but, good. Uh, we won't stop pushing until that happens. Well, you tempered the bad news that goes along with HB 235 with the good news that is SB 9 already there and SB 131 looks like positive. Uh, well, let me thank you, Donovan O'Neill, Americans for Prosperity, as a House State Director, for everything that you do throughout the year. I'll encourage my listeners to check out your website. Obviously, get in touch with your elected officials on these uh, these notable bills. And Donovan, you're always welcome on the 55KRC Morning Show if you have more uh, matters to bring to my listeners' attention. I really appreciate what you're doing. Brian, we appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for having us on, and uh, have a great, uh, great rest of your week. Merry Thank Christmas. you, and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and your loved ones, as well as everybody over at America. Just shy of 8.06 here at 55KRC, the talk station. 
And a happy Wednesday to you. Just another reminder, listener lunch today, Price Hill Chili. Last one of the years, we'll be celebrating the Christmas holidays or any other holiday or just the fact that it's a day ending in Y, enjoying each other's fellowship. And if you have it in your heart to grab one of the ornaments off the uh, wish tree, Bob Wetter is going to be there as Santa Claus today. He would certainly appreciate that. And I know the recipient of that uh, charitable uh, donation in the form of a gift will be well received by those in need. So join us today for lunch and uh, maybe consider grabbing an ornament off the off the wish tree at Price Hill Chili. And in the meantime, without further ado, I'm pleased to welcome to the 55 KRC Morning Show, uh, described as a concerned parent in Lakota School District, Christy Ertle. She is with an organization online you can find yourself, protectlakotakids.com. She's got some problems with the Lakota School Board and the Lakota Superintendent. Christy Ertle, welcome to the 55 KRC Morning Show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Good morning, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. Um, yes, in fact, you hit the nail on the head. Um, Lakota School Board is trying to silence concerned parents in our community. Yeah, and I guess uh, the the subject matter of part of the problem is here is this 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 superintendent Matthew Miller, who my understanding has also been sending cease and desist letters to you, uh, speaking out about these issues, but. I'm looking at the documents on your website, the policies and standards that are in play, the public records from the Butler County Sheriff's Office, uh, the Lakota School District records, to the extent they produce any are, are linked there, the media reports and videos, um, some rather salacious uh, details, although ultimately let's start with the conclusions from the Butler County Sheriff's Office. Um, they didn't have sufficient evidence to bring criminal charges against this, but what is what is behind all of these documents and evidence, what is the boiled down version of why there's a, you have a problem with Superintendent Matt Miller? Right. As you will see, you know, at a very minimum, the Butler County Sheriff's Office confirmed that the superintendent did have gross sexual solicitations um, on various channels, Craigslist, Tinder, and Ashley Madison. And as a parent, the, the testimony that's most concerning and has us so alarmed is the fact that he blatantly admits to role play sessions, which he coins as pillow talk with his ex-wife that involve drugging and molesting and videotaping children. Um, you know, again, as a parent, this uh. sets off every alarm that we're fearful. Um, this is he oversees over 17,000 children in our district, and this is completely unacceptable. So, uh. yes, at a minimum, you know, it's his testimony. It's his words. Yeah, I mean, you've got the, uh, I guess he was online on social media trying to solicit um, another person to have a threesome with his wife. I'm staring at it right here, and I can't read the whole thing. FCC probably wouldn't get a big kick out of that, but he describes his wife. He decides the, the type of sex they want to have, and he's hoping that someone wants to join them when or if they're in town. So I can understand your concern over that. I suppose that sexual behavior while maybe not in line of what you and I might have by way of traditional sexual norms isn't illegal though but what you're talking about is something a little bit more it's the graphic details of what he found I suppose titillating might be a good word to use and that is involving children at least insofar as a discussion is concerned during these adult sexual activities Absolutely. You know, our battle and concern as a parent is not the criminality. It's the fact that, you know, he has sexual tendencies that he blatantly testifies to in these transcripts. And as a parent and community member, you know, that 
it sets off every alarm. We've brought the information to the board. We've provided them copies of the transcripts, and, and we're being shut down. We are being silenced. You know, not only have they um, squashed public comment um, at a meeting in September, we had to have a federal judge overturn that and reinstate public comment. Um, there's various litigation cases going on right now with free speech First Amendment violation, and we're just concerned for the safety of children, you know, where there is a potential risk, um, you know, we stand to protect kids. We, we don't know what that risk is, and we expect our locally elected board members to step in and protect our children because ultimately that is what they're there to do, um, and they're not doing that. And, and in fact, they're, they're trying to silence us who are concerned, which, you know, it, it's just inconceivable that anyone that would have access to over 17,000 children that has blatantly described these, you know, sexual fantasies. Uh. Why are we allowing them to be around children? Um, I just, I don't understand it. And I'm not alone. I mean, Protect Lakota Kids, it's over, you know, 800 signatures from various um, community members. Just asking, I mean, clearly, at a minimum, he is in violation of the professional licensure code for the state of Ohio. That is a standard code of conduct. And he's clearly in violation of that as an educator. Okay, and I'll encourage my listeners, they can evaluate these documents and this information from themselves. The website is protectlakotakids.com. The links are right there. Um, they speak for themselves. And I did, I'm glad you gravitated toward that licensure code of professional conduct for Ohio educators because you believe that he is in violation of that. Now, that wouldn't be a criminal charge or violation, but it would... Um, I suppose, uh, negate his eligibility to be a superintendent. What specifically is, th- what, what, what specific violation is it that he has, uh, that you allege he's, he, he, he has, condu- has conducted that is, vi- what, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. I know what you, the concern is. It's the salacious details and disgusting ones involving talking about having sex with children. What, how is that a violation of the licensure code of professional conduct for Ohio educators? That's what I want to know. Right. So um, actually on the website, you'll see there's a link to the Professional Licensure Code of Conduct, and it's an 18-page document where every educator in the state of Ohio um, is bound by. So the very first section, um, Section A, it talks about professional behaviors, right? Not um, Nothing to do with criminal behaviors. They do address that. But the Professional Licensure Code deals with things like ethics and value systems and morality and conduct that is unbecoming of the teaching profession. So, you know, the document specifically speaks to behaviors that might be deemed as inappropriate. Um, They are bound to the highest moral and ethical standards um, in the state of Ohio. And according to public records that we've also pulled, you know, Matt Miller signed that document in February of 2017 when he came on as a educator for the district. So every teacher is a part of their contract. They have to sign that document stating that they have read it and they have abided by it and they will continue to abide by it. Okay. Um, Clearly a violation. It's like swearing to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America when you take an oath of office. I I, I get that. So he's bound by it, as are all educators. You believe there has been a a, a violation of this. Can I ask you, the, the how do these details about this perverse proclivity come to light? Now, is this does this not involve his ex-wife? And is there an argument that can be made, well, this is just one of those evil, you know, uh, angry uh, divorce situations that's devolved and it really isn't true. I mean, is, has that been addressed uh, in the allegations and the back and forth you've been going on with on this issue for so long? 
Yeah, absolutely. So when a community member brought the initial um, allegations to light in August, um, you know, as a from my perspective, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, when we're talking divorces, I understand divorces can be messy. Oh, yeah. um, but the reality is <laughs> testimony and public records are a completely different, you know, uh, beast. So, you know, in, in my perspective as a concerned parent, I thought, okay, you know, in America, we're all innocent until proven guilty. So take it with a grain of salt. It's a messy divorce. I understand that. But when the details came forward with public records that the Butler County Sheriff released, it clearly became evident that this was not just hearsay. This was actual testimony. You know, his transcripts are 18 pages. The ex-wives are 38 pages. Um, you know, again, all on the website. And you know, to read that, it, it's not hearsay. It's not opinion. Um, it, it sets up a pretty good timeline of understanding, and it's his testimony verbatim. Gotcha. Um, so at that point in time, it really becomes, wow, this is this is his testimony. And, you know, we've presented that information. We've presented that concern to the board, and they just refuse to hear us. Um, they, they are doubling down that this is just, you know, nothing to be concerned with, that these are just thoughts and he never acted upon them. Um, and that's unacceptable as a parent. And, Absolutely unacceptable. And, and I get that. So really what, what you have here is he's not denying that he made these disgusting comments about wanting to involve children or have children pictures taken of them and but his point is it's role playing. So there's no denial that the statements were made, whatever specifics there are, which you can read again at protectlakotakids.com. So that that's your point. It's not like I didn't say that. I never no, she's lying to make me look like a jerk to better her position in the divorce proceedings or whatever. That's we're past that part is what you're saying. Absolutely. And as a parent, honestly, I would have preferred to have, have read testimony where he adamantly denies yeah. these things. Then I could put concern to rest, you know. I could say, oh, okay, it is just a messy divorce and there's nothing to see here and I'm not concerned. But the reality is when I read the transcripts, as did many in the community, you know, every alarm is going off that if our board is not going to step in and protect our children, then we as parents and community, we have got to sound the alarm. And that's that's what we're doing. You know, when we don't know the risk, we simply do not know the risk, right? We have to stand to protect kids. And so ultimately, that's what this is about. And I, I, I appreciate your point. I really do. And I guess I have to wonder in a world in a country filled with 340 million people and a lot of people qualified to be school superintendents based upon their background, is this person really the best possible person to be in that position considering this rather horrific baggage that his uh, fantasies involve, you know? I mean, it's like the appearance of impropriety in the legal profession. You're not supposed to go down that road. So is it really beneficial for Lakota School District to maintain this guy's position as superintendent, given that everybody knows he has these weird fantasies in his world? Absolutely. And furthermore, we've had, you know, educators in the district that have basically, you know, been suspended and asked to resign based upon their violation of the professional licensure code of conduct. Oh. So my question is, why are we choosing when we apply that professional licensure code of conduct and when we are not? And I just don't understand in a situation like this, why they're not, why that is not a conversation, you know, why, why as 
the Lakota board, are we not saying to the community, hey, we understand there's some concerns, right? They're not even acknowledging the concerns. They're doubling down that this is all hearsay. It's made up. What? completely negating the public records. <laughs> that so Yeah, that's why I was very careful to make sure you confirmed that the, this, these were words out of his mouth and he did not deny them in the transcripts, the public records, and the affidavits that you're talking about. So for the school district to take that position that this is all a lie flies in the face of factual reality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, our battle, you know, the criminality piece, that's for, you know, the police to handle. As a parent, I'm concerned about the safety of children and the yeah. ethics and, and lack of, of morality that seems to be going on. And when you voice that, you're silenced. The local media will not even touch the story. So, you know, I, I applaud you and appreciate the fact that you're willing to to hear us out today sure. um, because I might be one person, but I truly hope today that my voice is representing the other 800 people that have signed the petition asking for his resignation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess, again, my, you know, and say, hey, listen to the 55 Kerosene Morning Show. All the information is there for people to read at protectlakotakids.com. You can draw your own conclusions. You can conclude yourself. It, well, this is, I mean, he's got some weird sexual proclivities that he fantasizes about. I mean, we all have our own thing, but we are talking about ones that involve children in a person who is in a capacity to be around and have control over children's lives each and every day. So I understand your concern, Christy. Um, I'll just invite people to draw their own conclusions by checking out your website. But also, you know, I'll say, hey, Matt, if you want to come on the program and defend yourself, knock yourself out. You'll you just get in touch with Joe Strecker and we'll make that happen. Uh, I'd be interested to get his side of the story or the side of the story of the school board and why they deny the reality of what is in these documents you have. Interesting phenomenon going on, Christy. I wish you the best of luck. And you know what? Honestly, on behalf of parents out there who do step up to the plate in the face of opposition, in the face of an uphill challenge, that you continue to do this because you are concerned for your children. Information's well documented. You've done a good job on the website, and you did a good job talking about your concerns today on the morning show. And thank you for coming on, Christy. I I wish you good luck, and I, I hope things resolve themselves over the Lakota School District for the benefit of the children. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate that. Thank my, you. My pleasure, Christy. Happy holidays to you and your life. 828 at 55 CD Talk Station. Regular listeners know now is the time of the week that we all look forward to. It's time for a discussion on liberty and freedom with Judge Ed Napolitano. I encourage you to check him out online at judgenap.com or head on over to YouTube and type in Judging Freedom, and you got a lot of videos and information there, uh, including maybe this one. Judge Napolitano, welcome back to the 55 KRC Morning Show. Happy Wednesday. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, sir. Oh, right back at you, uh, Brian. Thank you, and good morning. I, I I was very taken by your column today, and I, I've been joking all morning, given that you mentioned um, uh, Kanye West in here in connection with his meeting with Trump and some of his anti-Semitic comments. Everything. Honestly, Your Honor, I steer as far away from anything celebrity-related on this program as I can. It's stuff I don't bother following. I, you know what opinions are like. They're like sphincters. Yes. Everybody's got yes. one. I don't care yes. what Kanye West says. I don't care what what Barbara Streisand says, I don't care what Michael Moore says, and I don't think anybody does themselves a service by repeating the things that they say because it lends credibility to their stupidity regardless of where it comes from. Having said that... You know, it's it's funny you should say that because that is the prevailing view that I get. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Even from our seriously libertarian friends, when I defend the freedom of speech, the right to say whatever you want, and then use as an example these uh, celebrity creeps. But they're being so, talked uh, about. I understand no. your motivation. I No, I get where it comes from. The core point of what you're saying is something you and I will agree all day long, which is you have Correct. the right to say what you want. I'm not suggesting Correct. that you are perpetuating this media celebrity cult. No, but it is a good springboard because we all, even if we try to steer clear of it and don't want to make it a topic of conversation, we're all familiar that this stuff is going on. And, of course, since there's a connection yeah. with Trump, it gets a lot a lot of attention on the media. So I don't, I'm not faulting and, you at all. And, and Elon, Elon Musk, whose uh, takeover of Twitter uh, was lauded by all of us who love the freedom of speech, now is sanctioning people because of the content of their speech. Um, he sanctions uh, Alex Jones and he sanctions um, Yay, whatever, he, whatever he's calling yeah, himself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I fear um, people like you and me uh, suffering because of the opinions we express, because we do live to stir the pot. And and the position from which you and I uh, stir the pot is one of uh, human freedom. And that often means, you know, taking on the government. When I wrote my piece two weeks ago that you and I talked about uh, many times, uh, the FBI and zero click when I re- when I revealed what the FBI uh, is using or had been using to spy on us, there were FBI agents that were not happy with that. Now, nobody laid a hair on my head and I still have uh, the freedom of speech. But when I um, opined that the prosecution of Stuart Rhodes uh, the head of the Oath Keepers, where they prosecuted five people for a conspiracy to overthrow the government of the United States. And I opined that you shouldn't be prosecuted for doing something that is impossible, for planning to do something that is impossible to do. TikTok kicked me off for five days. We <laughs> appealed it and we, and we lost the appeal. Now, this is a very legitimate free speech legal argument that there are conspiracies to do things that the conspirators could have accomplished and conspiracies to do things that the conspirators could not have accomplished. And the government shouldn't waste its time prosecuting the latter. And I got smacked for saying that. But I mean, if if, if I'm kind of sensitive to the free speech argument, I understand. But I mean, we go back and we've talked about the Brandenburg decision a bunch of times. There has to be that, uh, that that imminent threat, the unstoppable right. threat, the speech creates instantaneously this eruption of violence, and there's no time in there between the go. statement. 
if you just talk about overthrowing the government, we could have a historical discussion, Your Honor, going back to our own revolutionary war about people who talked about overthrowing the government, and we all loud and praise them because we wouldn't be here but for a bunch of revolutionaries who talked about overthrowing the government. Correct. And if they had not succeeded, I guess we'd be bowing to Charles III. <laughs> Although something tells me another generation would have succeeded. <laughs> Probably. So so where does this, I guess, ultimately in the grand scheme of things, where does this leave us? I I was actually quite taken, if you saw the, uh, the, the Wall Street Journal opinion piece by Ro Khanna, Democrat from California's 17th, uh, Twitter's duty to protect free speech, censorship of Hunter Biden's story might have helped my party, but it was bad for our democracy. I mean, here's a guy on the left that gets what you and I get that this is not right. beneficial to democracy. I mean, my defense of free speech and the bat crap insanity that comes out of some of these people's mouths is that I am glad we live in a country where we have free speech because if we didn't, the opinions of these nut jobs, would we wouldn't know it, and we might embrace them for whatever they do, and they can go behind the scenes and perpetuate their evil doing. I want them out loud speaking out loud. I want to know well, who the nutcases are. One, that is one of the reasons... Uh, that hate speech is protected speech because the, the remedy for hate speech is not suppression. You can't suppress it. They'll, they'll be spewing hatred uh, from behind some, some dark wall. We won't know who they are. But when, when hate speech is out there, you know who the hater is and you have a chance to, uh, to neutralize uh, the speech. Uh, there are people that want to silence uh, hate speech. And then, of course, they'll define all kinds of things that... The, you're walking into an abortion clinic to have an abortion and sh somebody shouts at you, baby killer. Okay. Right. There are people who want to define that as hate speech and prosecute those words. Well, beauty, so, beauty's in the you know, eye. This, this thing can cut both ways. Beauty's in the eye of beholder, in the in in the, in the mind and the heart of the recipient of that of that angry outburst. They may consider that hate and they may be accurately from accurate from a definitional standpoint but there's no state action involved here we're all free to say what we want there is nothing criminal Correct. about that all the supreme court cases that you and i regularly discuss have pointed that out time and time again you know get so over take it Ro, take, take Ro Kahana's argument it was a good piece i read it good, as, yeah. uh, as well uh, take his argument one step further if twitter was doing the bidding of the Democratic National Committee, well, it could do that. You could claim that my former uh, colleagues at Fox were doing the bidding of the RNC. It happens. But if Twitter was doing the bidding of FBI agents, then we have an entirely different story. Then we have private enterprise doing the unconstitutional dirty work of the government, and that imposes First Amendment restraints on private enterprise, in this case on uh, Twitter. That's what these um, uh, attorneys yes. general in the war in the, in the case in New Orleans, the the AG from Louisiana and from Texas of the plaintiffs. That's what they're trying to demonstrate, and they've come up with some pretty compelling evidence and discovery to show this symbiotic relationship, not with the FBI but with the DHS, the DHS, which is a hundred times larger than the FBI. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, okay, fun fact I was not aware of, even more frightening considering the efforts they have made to suppress speech by 
insisting to the likes of Twitter and other social media companies that they do the government's bidding and pick and choose what they tell the social media companies to suppress. Now, that AG, uh, uh, there's multiple attorneys general involved in that one. I think 16 or so states have joined that. Right. Walk my listeners through if those attorneys general are successful and they have all the documents and evidence to prove that there was this this relationship, this hand-in-hand relationship between the federal government and the NSA or the FBI and the social media private platforms, and that they did work hand-in-hand together, what ultimate effect will that have if it's determined and concluded that that was going on? Well, if someone suffered for it, if someone lost some asset or some opportunity because of it, then the new owner of Twitter is going to be on the hook for the damage done by the previous owners. It's, it's, a, it's a bitter irony. I mean, he took over Twitter supposedly to make it a free marketplace of ideas. I speak of uh, Elon Musk, of course, but he also bought their potential liabilities. liabilities. <laughs> so this, as you know, but just to, to do con- constitutional law 101, this is called state action. When the private uh, entity, and I'm just going to use Twitter as an example because Musk is uh, in the news every day. Uh, when the private entity and the government, Twitter and DHS, Twitter and FBI, are so intertwined with each other in a symbiotic relationship so that one benefits the other, then the restraints that the Constitution imposes on the government can be imposed on the private entity. Stated differently, Twitter uh, can be punished financially for having sanctioned people's speech on the basis of its content when it became a governmental agent. And that would ultimately mean, would it not, and please correct me if I'm wrong, on a going forward basis, assuming Twitter can escape the financial liabilities that it bought, <laughs> it must bought Twitter, on a going forward basis, having been determined to be, in essence, a wing of the federal government, they then are bound by the limits of the Constitution. They must allow for the free exchange of speech regardless of content. So they're going to have to Correct. let people do it. Other than criminal, like you not child molestation and child porn and things, those are criminally, you'd be liable criminally for posting that kind of thing. But if you offer some sort of spewing outrages, hatred expression against some religious group or other, they would have to provide the vehicle in the form for that. They wouldn't be able to censor it. Well, let's say you wanted to say that the murders at uh, Sandy Hook Elementary School uh, in Connecticut was an act done by actors. We all know what happened with that. Yeah, would someone do that? Oh, that's right, Alex Jones. A billion dollars. Uh, They'd have to to accept that. They'd have to post that because the feds couldn't sanction that on the basis of its its content. Therefore, neither could uh, big tech. So they very may well have cooked their own goose by whatever they did in cahoots with the government to um, uh, to to skew uh, the public uh, debate. Now, if they did this for the DNC because they wanted Biden to beat uh, Trump, ah, that's what I'm, I'm not happy about it. But it's not criminal. It's not actionable. That's what journalists uh, that are in the opinion business do. They do it on the right. They do it on the left. Only if they were doing the government's bidding. And the curious question that I've asked uh, when. when when these private entities do the government's bidding, 
What do they get back from the government? What does the FBI do back for Twitter? When, 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 you, when the NYPD has access to everybody coming and going at your front door through your Amazon uh, ringtone, what does a favor does the NYPD do for Amazon in return for the favor Amazon did for it? Those questions are never answered, no. Brian. Well, we know in the case of Eric Holder's Justice Department, an Operation Chokehold, I think it was called, what the government does is not subject your entity bank for example to a giant compliance audit and rifle through your dirty laundry in return for you doing his bidding which is don't do business with fill in the blank the firearms manufacturers the payday lenders we promise to leave you alone if you do our bidding i guess the same argument can be made on some other level with social media if you do our bidding and censor this information we will not fill in the blank so keep records for us uh, of who buys guns because there's no lawful federal gun registry, but you, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, keep telling us who uses a credit card to buy a gun so we can start building our own uh, federal uh, registry and we'll go easy on you. Oh, and by the way, Chase, while you're at it, if Justin Napolitano uses his Chase debit card to buy a gun, you better tell us uh, right away. Under the law, he only has to tell the uh, people in the state of New Jersey, but we want to know that. We're the federal government. Then we can knock on the door and say, that gun you bought last week, you still have it or did you give it away? And then we know that happened because we all saw a famous Amazon ringtone videotape of that happening to an 80-year-old man in Wilmington, Delaware, about two months ago. Oh, the technology has created a frightening world, has it not? Do you think Madison imagined any of this when he said, uh, Congress shall make no law infringing upon the freedom of speech? Well, the world freaked out when the the world freaked out when the printing press came online and uh, print was readily available to all the unwashed, uneducated masses. And we got over that one. Maybe we'll get over this one. I'm hoping the attorneys generals win this case because the world's going to be a dramatically different place. Real quick on that subject. If the if that conclusion is reached, let's just use Twitter again. They were an arm of the government. They now must honor First Amendment. They are liable for violations of the First Amendment if someone can show some harm. Is that something that applies on a going forward basis, or can Twitter somehow come under the out from under the thumb of that determination if they write their ship? It depends on uh, on what the court uh, orders. I, this this is not a jury trial. This is a Uh, This seeks specific performance. So these state attorneys general are asking a federal judge sitting in New Orleans to uh, compel a Twitter uh, to post everything from everybody going forward. They're actually not looking for money. Usually they're looking for money. They shook down the tobacco industry. Um, uh, They shook down a big pharma. I I condemned that. All that did was add money to the uh, coffers of of the uh, of the states for which they are the AGs. But this, this seems, seeks to vindicate uh, personal freedom. So going forward, they're, they're not asking for money. You might have to join the lawsuit if you uh, suffered financially because uh, Twitter uh, blocked you. They're asking that there be no blocking because of the content of speech. That will really return the uh, uh, big tech social media 
to the free marketplace of ideas that it was when it first started. And that's why I've got my fingers crossed for that outcome. Judge Anna Napolitano, I thoroughly enjoy these conversations, my friend. I can't wait till another right back one at you, Brian. next Wednesday. Again, find them online. Just head over to YouTube and uh, search for Judging Freedom. You'll see all the conversations he has throughout the week. And, of course, JudgeNap.com. Until next Wednesday, sir, have a blessed week, my friend. Right back at you, Brian. Thank you. Take care. 845-55 Care City Talk Station, 22.3 Firearm. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.